0: I wanna be a motherfucking hustler You better ask somebody
1: What is up guys, you're listening to the MF CEO Project I'm Andy, I'm your host, and I am the motherfucking CEO Guys, as always, I'm joined by my co-host Vaughn, the pastor of disaster What's up dude?
0: I just read a study on millennials. You want to hear something about it? Yeah. Okay. Because we have a lot of millennials that listen to us, and we I do. Thought, I wanted to hear your your. But our feedback. millennials work. Yes. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, but, our so,
1: millennials put in the work. They so, get it. So because we so have so, so I guarantee you this is going to be something negative <laughs> about millennials. So if you're a millennial listening, and you're already taking the actions to listen to a podcast like this, you probably don't fall into this category. So don't cry about it.
0: Probably don't. But I still thought this was really funny. So I read this. You know, defining. Study on millennials and it had two points and one of them that was that millennials are really entrepreneurial and I was like yes that's awesome and then the point literally right after that is millennials are not patient.
1: Ooh, that's about as big as a as a uh, paradox that you could have, I guess. I mean, which one is it? Uh, Well, uh, if you're not patient, you're not going to be a good entrepreneur. That's the bottom line. I think it has to do with how
2: easy it is to start a business nowadays. So Look, here's what I it. think.
1: I think that people fall in love with the idea of success. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they see it is, e- you're right, it is easier. It is, there's far less barrier to entry. There's lots of things someone could do. Um, the options are, are virtually unlimited. But if you don't have patience to let those, the patience part hasn't changed just because the technology has changed. Right. You know, it still takes time for uh, a customer, a potential customer to, um, accept your message, trust your message, and trust your message enough to buy it, and then become loyal enough to recommend it to your friends. And that takes time. It doesn't matter how much money you spend. It doesn't matter how many ads you buy or how good your product is, the, the process of acceptance into a consumer bell curve is going to take time.? Right. And, and people don't understand that. I see that all the time. Look at every Super Bowl. We see companies spend 20 fucking million dollars to, to advertise for 30 seconds. But the only ones you ever remember are Budweiser, and that's just because, <laughs> right. you know, they make funny commercials. Right. But you see new companies every year. You see the commercial, you are like, oh, what is that? I Never heard of that before. And then you never hear of it because they blow their load on a fucking thirty million dollar ad, and they don't. They think they can buy their way into people's brains, and it doesn't work like that. So, you know, guys, Absolutely. it's if you don't, the time is always a factor in how much money you have, and that's why, like last week when we talked about not having money being a tremendous advantage, it. You have to understand. Part of that is because if you do have money and you're not patient, you're going to blow the money on shit that doesn't work, and then you're going to be out that money. That doesn't mean you're going to fail; just means you won't have that initial money that you had. Right. So you got You got to be patient. It's just right. part of the deal.
0: But like you said, the people that listen to us are the outliers. Oh
1: they're, yeah. They're, they're, of course. They're not the. the they're typical. the smartest people they're in the, the world. Of course. On planet. That's Speaking the, of which, yeah. If this is your first time listening to the MSCEO project. Guys, we're not selling anything. We're not going to ask you to buy our program. We're not going to ask you to sign up for, uh, you know, our sales funnel or whatever the fuck everybody else is asking for. What we do ask, though, is that you bring. A, if you find value in the podcast, bring me one friend. Bring me. You don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to make a post about it. Tell one of your friends that may be interested in this sort of content. That's all we ask. So that's our little fee. Um, Today we have an awesome podcast set up for you. Our script is so thorough. It's so detailed, Vaughn, you did such a great <laughs> job on the script. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, which means we don't have a script. Right. What the fuck? I got one. Oh, what, you got one.
0: What's the problem with your internet company? Yeah. You know, I can't e- I can't email it to Vaughn,
1: you. Vaughn is, Vaughn's going to be known as instead of Vaughn the Impaler, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be Vaughn the Excuse Maker. Isn't that right, Tyler?
2: I thought it was already
1: that. (laughs) Oh!
0: Tyler's just reeling from the the singer I gave him last week. By the
1: way, I just want everybody to know, this is going to be a good podcast because Tyler is wearing his salmon shorts. Salmon shorts. And everybody listening knows that when you wear the salmon shorts, we drop some fire. So, with that being said, we have a very cool surprise for you guys. Uh, We're going to answer today one of the questions that we get over and over and over again from you young bucks, which is how do I actually get started? And I think for me, you know, I'm not good at answering this question because I'm the kind of person who sort of overlooks that step. And I think, you know, you either have it or you don't. And if you have it, you'll figure it out. And, you know, with my mentality on that, I realize there is people that would like more direction. And for that reason, We have a very, very special guest today that is going to talk about how to actually get started in business, and we're going to cover specific practical tools that you can utilize to get going, all right? And so what we did was we brought in a good friend of mine, Dan Fleischman, who is the youngest founder ever of a publicly traded company. He's an angel investor in 24 companies. He is the broker of influence when it comes to influencer marketing. And the author of How to Set Up Your Business for Under a Thousand Dollars. What's up, my man? Hello, hello. How are you? It's good to be here in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. man. What do you think? The weather's great. Yeah. yeah. He brought the San Diego weather with him, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. He, he, yesterday, we were we walked outside last night, and it's like 70 degrees, oh, no yeah. humidity. And he's like, oh, man, the weather's great here. And yeah, I'm it's just always like, oh, like it's, it's, dude. it's so always. ironic hearing from somebody from San Diego say the weather's great in St. Yeah. Louis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. so you got lucky. I think you brought it with you. I hope so. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, Vaughn, you know we get this question all yeah. the time. I always stay away from it because I... Like I said, I'm just very, you know, just figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a key trait of entrepreneurs. And, you know, they will figure it out. I figured it out. I didn't have anybody telling me exactly what steps to take. But um, most people aren't as resilient as you. Well, thank you. But it was more it was more simple back then. It really was like you had a storefront. You had to get customers. I went out and got them. Now you have all the, you have so many options to build a business that I think people get paralyzed by the options. Yep. They're not sure which way to go. Right. So you wrote this really cool book, uh, How to Set Up Your Business for Under $1,000. Let's start, let's start with just tell people a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into why you wrote the book.
2: Sure. So I started my first company in high school. I was working three jobs, saving money for college. I was going to go to SDSU and my friend kept saying, who's your daddy? And everybody would laugh or think it was sexual or funny or powerful. And he just always would say it at lunchtime at the football field. He would just always say it. So I made this T-shirt, big, ugly, white shirt, which just said, W-I-D, who's your daddy? <laughs> Terrible. The way, I, the way it was dy- designed was it was like my, my boy in school yeah. did it in art class. And we sold 150 shirts at 15 bucks each. All of a sudden, we had $2,000. We're millionaires. We're like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. And uh, I'm working at the stadium selling cotton candy at nighttime. And I'm working at a, a restaurant, being a busboy. You know, I'm just doing everything I can. I'm working for a stockbroker under the table. Saving you Got to money. hustle in your boy. Yeah, had yeah. to because, you know, we had no money. So, like, right. we're living off 24 grand a year for a family of four. doesn't really work in San Diego where the rent's very expensive. So I'm just I'm hustling and I'm hustling. And then I realize if 150 kids are willing to spend $15 each, now we're millionaires. We have $2,000. Like, holy shit, this, I'm on to something. Yeah. So we go to this convention in Vegas called magic and I'm only 17 years old. You have to be 21 to get inside. You have to be 21 to get a hotel room in Vegas at the time. Like there's just no, like it was silly of what we did. We went to a grocery store and printed out our badges on a machine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: That's
1: awesome.
2: We made these business cards. We paid like $50 to make business cards. Like, and I needed it within 20 minutes. Basically the taxi cab driver waited outside cause I had no, you know, I didn't have a car in Vegas. And, uh, we go to the convention. We talk our way in. We start walking around. There's huge, humongous booths. Ralph Lauren, this, and Tommy Hilfiger, that, 100,000 square feet. And we we're just these kids with white T-shirts that say, who's your daddy? And everybody was giggling. They just loved the shirt. They just yeah. loved the name, the catchphrase. Yeah. So people were asking us, where's your booth? We're like, yeah, yeah, our booth's right over there. Just go to the right. Obviously, we had no booth. Right, we right. <laughs> 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 so right. Uh, so we get back. Um, my brother gives us advice and we trademarked the catchphrase, ended up trademarking it for 300 products and 17 different classes all over the world. And that's what our biggest expense was. So the 43,000 I had saved for college working these three jobs for the last three years was on fire. It was gone in a month or two. And uh, we went and got a booth at the convention the next time, a few months later, and we actually had our clothing. We got overcharged on our samples and overcharged on our manufacturing and overcharged on our everything you could overcharge us for. They just saw Oh yeah. Here's here's the mark, here's the target. Same thing happened to us. 17 year old kid. The samples that should have cost us six hundred bucks cost us eighteen thousand (laughs) dollars. Wow. To make us like thirty sweaters. Yeah. So it was just we went through it and we went through the money really quickly. So we get lucky. At the convention, we write over a million dollars in orders. And Nordstrom's comes up to us and offers us an exclusive. And my brother and my friend's dad told us come home. They're like, don't do a deal with Nordstrom. And we're like, what are you talking about? Nordstrom is exclusive. It's the, they're the best They're the highest. They're still they're still one of the best brands. They're like, no, if they're willing to offer you an exclusive, you're on to something. So we went back, reconvened, and the rest was history. We ended up selling to thousands of stores. Uh, when we were 23 years old, we started the energy drink version of it under the same name. Wow. For two years, I just went and met with 43 distributors, Budweiser, Coors, Miller, Pepsi, and every time I'd go meet with a distributor, if I came to St. Louis to meet with Budweiser, I'd see them at 9 a.m. and say, oh, at 11 a.m. I have a meeting with Ralph, so we got to make sure I got to be out of here by 1040. So in their mind, they're like, oh, they're thinking I'm going to meet with the grocery store, which is true. Then when I'm at the grocery store, I'm like, hey, I just met with Budweiser, uh, but at 1 p.m. I have to go meet with Costco. So as long as I leave here by 1240, we'll be fine. And I always said those names. Yeah, you put that leverage on it. To right. edify the brand right? and to make them realize they're not first. Because the biggest, biggest fear for people that are buyers of retail is they don't want to lose their job. It's their absolute biggest fear. If they can say, oh, these guys were in Ralph's or this guy, they're in Costco. They're already in other stores. Yeah. They don't feel dumb. It validates their own decisions. Exactly. Right. Right. So what happened is I did that over and over in 43 cities with 43 distributors. Got us into 55,000 retail stores literally by myself. I was just every single week going city to city to city to city to city until I finally hired a sales team that only did the mini stores and I did all the chain stores. So let me stop you right there and ask you a question.
1: So you did all, you went around and you, you talked to all these companies about carrying your product. How many people gave you permission to go do that? Zero. Okay. So how many people gave you a roadmap to go do that? Zero. There was no internet, right? There was so, no social media. So, internet. so my point here, guys, is this, is that you have to just go fucking do it. Yep. And you and I talked about this at dinner last yeah. night. We talked about it before, you know, this, this story that he's telling is the way that it works. It, no one is ever going to come along and say, yeah, you can go do this or yeah, you should go do this or here's how to do this. Dude, you just do it until you figure it out.
2: Just bang on the doors.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: now it's so easy with social media. I can get a hold of any buyer of any retailer on the planet in two minutes. I just go to LinkedIn or I go to Twitter and I just, I at them, right? (laughs) Right? And they're going to see it. If I tweet at somebody that's the buyer for a chain store, he only has 2,100 followers. It's not like he's got a million followers. He's not going to see it. He's not a celebrity. Right. He's the buyer for Costco. And what happens if he doesn't respond the first time? Tweet him (laughs) two days later. Exactly. Right. (laughs) And I tweet tweet his assistant and I find out who his partner is and I find out who the president is. It, they're going to see it, and I'm just going to scream from the mountaintops. And the biggest advantage is nobody else is doing that. Right. My Andy, competitors aren't doing that.
0: Andy, your your, your face kind of had this knowing look that came over it when, when Dan said he basically walked away from guaranteed probably millions, right? Oh, yeah, for with, sure. with, uh, with Nordstrom. You yeah. said it was Nordstrom. Yeah. And. I mean I, I I maybe I'm reading into it but to me that that was an act of faith and that was a belief in your in what you had going on and I, I I'm curious because I saw your eyes kind of light up Andy when he said that because that that seems like something that unique entrepreneurs do when they have guaranteed money they, they they see bigger they see bigger potential well you
1: have to always look for the signs. Mm-hmm. you know that's what you did yeah. you know you look and he he had some some people that cared about him that helped him see those signs because you know what you're your dad and your uh, brother said, you know, is exactly true. Like if you got a big company coming in and like trying to scoop you up, that does mean you're onto something. But when you're a young guy and you're just, you're just excited to get the business, sometimes you make decisions on the short term that really cut off your ability to be big, you know, and, and you, you know, you were very fortunate to have that situation happen. Yeah.
2: But I would have taken it if I didn't have other, other sales or if Mm -hmm. I didn't have the belief that we were going to do a lot more, I would have taken it. Most I would people be happy to just make a million a year and net 300000 and just have a business. Right. But I just knew we were going to be, the reaction was too good. I had to right. go for it. I had to gamble, basically.
1: Right. That's awesome, man. So up.
2: what are you on to now? So then I did that for 10 years. We, That was a great learning curve because there was roller coasters. Obviously, it's not all peachy keen. Right. You'd be in Albertsons and do two million with Albertsons and then Monster would come in and pay them to drop us. You'd be in Costco and they'd drop Rockstar for us. And then Rockstar would come back with $5 million check to drop, drop our drink. You know, like there was battles, you know, we call the energy drink wars. <laughs> we'd put up stickers in the windows and Red Bull would pull our stickers down. We'd put up our, our, our cardboard cans outside the 7-Eleven. They'd rip them down. You, you know, what's <laughs> funny about that is that I, people, I think that's in any, any industry. Yeah.
1: Like there's like a competitive nature to it that people don't understand. And like, when they find out that you're like that, like that you want to win that bad, they think you're fucking psycho. Yeah. Like, but the truth is, is that it's just business, Yeah, this is the way it goes. Like I see people all the day, all day, especially like younger people that don't, under, they get into business and they have this idea that they're somehow entitled to some sort of piece of the business. Like they open up a store and they think, you know, Oh, well we, since we're open, you, you guys like speaking of us should just let us have a piece of the business no motherfucker, you're going to have to fucking fight for it. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not going to give you anything. I've worked my whole life for this. I'm competitive. I want to win. It's not about being selfish. It's about right. winning and I have an obligation to the 120 employees that I have to do the best that we can. Absolutely. And that means every single transaction. Not fucking let you have your fucking 20 a day just because you're open. You know, you're not entitled to anything. And I think everybody listening to this needs to understand that aspect that like when you go into business what he's describing is not only energy drinks. Right. It's everything. Like You're in a competition. It is a battle. Yep. You are going to have to fight. And
2: if you can't stomach that, you shouldn't be in business. Right. Mm-hmm. We always talk about shelf space. I mean, when you go in and you see these different water brands, well, the the grocery store and the 7 and the Costco's, they only have so much shelf space for the water. Whoever those top few players are, that's it. And so what happens is with the energy drinks in particular, and obviously the same thing goes to for first form versus other fitness supplements. There's only so much shelf space in each in each retailer. So we called it eye level is buy level. And so our competitors would pay for eye level to pay for that shelf because I could wrap a $20 bill around my can, but if it's on the bottom shelf, you won't pay $2 for the $20 bill because you can't see it. And so we had to fight all the time removing moving Monster and moving down to their shelf and putting my shelf up there. For, and it would only last for three days before they came in and they would switch the shelves back. But you had to battle. It's not like I wanted to sit there and fight with them. I had to train every single sales rep, every distributor, everybody walking to a retailer. Make sure the stickers are eye level. Make sure there's a sticker at the, at the door that says push-pull. Right. Every wow. single time there had to be anywhere you could so that the competitor wouldn't see it or they wouldn't remove it. I had to keep re-putting it up because it's a war, right? It's a war. No matter what your product is, it's a yeah, war.
1: It is. And, and the thing is, you know, and I would say this, there's a way to play and there's a way not to play too. Because right. I what I do see from these same people that I'm talking about who are feel like they're entitled to some sort of business. They can't keep up with the battle And so then they go to Facebook and whine or talk shit about the other company. And here's what happens when you talk shit about the other company. Other people start hating you. Absolutely. Because you look like a crybaby. You look like a loser. You look entitled. And not only that, you're telling your people who are your loyal customers
2: about your competitor. Absolutely. I mean, is there anything dumber than that? Mm -hmm. It's always mind boggling me that every phone company commercial talks talks about about the the other company. Oh my God, I can't stand it. That's like rule number one. (laughs) Yeah. You don't even acknowledge them, man. Like that's like how
1: how much is fucking AT and T paying Sprint to talk about them in their commercials? It's dude. I say I think the same thing. I'm like,
2: what are you doing? I cringe every
1: time. But but on a on a small micro level where we have all these little small businesses. They're, t- they, that they people get their feelings hurt or they get upset or they get frustrated with a competitor and they go on the internet and talk. Right. Dude, worst thing you could do. Yep, mm-hmm. Worst thing you could do. Not are- from a, not from, not even from a looking bad standpoint. You are literally going to drive your customers straight to that
2: company. Yeah. Because if like, right. they go Google first for them and they're like, holy shit, this, these guys got 100,000 square foot facilities. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> they're awesome compared to this little, right. You know, dink company. Right. right. All of a sudden you've got a new customer based on them crying. Saying, yes. First form's boot's bigger than mine. Yeah. You know, or like, or
1: these, guys are, <laughs> these guys are out to try to bully everybody. Like, yeah. no, dude, it's fucking business. Right. You know, you're welcome to join our team. <laughs>
0: right. You know exactly. what I
2: mean? Be a legionnaire. Yeah, <laughs> right. Join up, dude.
0: As you guys are talking, I thought of uh, what General Patton told his troops. He said, your job is to make sure the other guy dies for his country. And it's, it's having that sense of competition and awesome. it's not, it's not just the, Oh, we're fighting for our country. It's, yeah. we want to destroy the other, the yeah. other, the competition. Yeah, well,
1: you get caught up with that too, though. Like a lot of people think a lot of people's business plan is to hurt the other business. That's not a business plan, yeah. right? You know, or a lot of be- people's business plan is I'm going to do put X out of business or I'm going to hurt X or I'm going to do this X. No, your fucking business plan is to help your customer achieve whatever result it is they're coming to you achieve. Yeah. And people lose focus on that because they're, you know, it's that old saying, I forget how it goes, about the Yankees' pinstripes. Like, people are too busy looking at the pinstripes to to concentrate on the baseball. Remember that saying? Yeah, yeah. You got your computer open. Google that shit. Well, I would if the internet was working.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look it up on my phone.
1: Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? There, there, used, there used to be, uh, people are so busy looking at everything else that they can't concentrate on their own game. You have to concentrate on your own game. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and with the internet today, like my dad doesn't get it because when he was in business, there was no internet. Right. right? So he, um, he's like, so what? Like people just make shit up and then talk about you. I'm like, yeah, every day. That's what they do. Absolutely. But you know, I don't ever try to argue with it because I'm like, man, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the, for the recommendation. Right. (laughs) So, so anyway, man, uh, let's, let's talk some practical steps, um, You know, when you're young, you know, you and I both grew up with that hustle, that entrepreneurship in our blood. I mean, both of us were funny enough. We're doing the same things when we were little kids selling baseball cards and running around doing sort of the same, same things. Um, You know, back when I started a business in 99, you know, it was as simple as trying to find a spot, get some product and then go out and get your customers. There was no internet there. You know, we couldn't advertise. We didn't have any money. So all I could do was go door to door and yep. meet people, which I still believe in, still believe it's super effective. Um, if you don't know what else to do and you own a business, do that because you're gonna learn to fuck yeah, a fuck a lot. Used about to,
2: it. I used to put flyers on cars every weekend. Yeah, we did too. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we get in trouble for it every time, yep. but you, we even, still did it.
2: Even at the clothing conventions. Yeah. You know, I was 19 years old. We had millions in sales. At nighttime, I would put the flyers on the cars every single night. Yep, I didn't yep. care. I had to. Yeah, there, there, was, no Facebook. Had, there right. was no Facebook ads.
1: <laughs> and so, and so, like you and I look at what's going on here because we've both done, we're like in a weird group that in a, in a group I'm thankful to be in, but a group who has built successful business in the pre-internet area era, and then also maintain and, and right. transition to the internet area and still succeeded right. and done well. Not many people have done that. What I find is that most people either have done really well on the internet and they're killing it, or they did really well before the internet and they're just kind of (laughs) out of it now. They've done so well that they don't have to work. You know what I mean? So it's very rare to find someone like you who has pre-internet and then transitioned and then become an expert at how to market on the internet and build a business. So what I'm getting at here is like a lot of the guys now that, that are entrepreneurs, it it really is it's easier but it's more complicated mentally because there's so, so many things and so many options. Where do I put my attention? Where do I put my effort? Is it Twitter? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? How do I run Facebook ads? What do I what do I need to do to for product fulfillment? You know, there's just a lot of like things that people are like, "Well, I would never know how to do that." That they're actually really simple, right. right? Once you like break it down. Um, so I'd like to get into some of these practical steps for let's say, uh, you know, somebody who's just getting ready to get started now. And they're like, Hey, I got this. I've got, you know, I, I want to be an
2: entrepreneur right. I mean, we're
1: because that's like the hot thing, right?
2: Yes. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so and
1: it's, it's yeah. so glor It's so glamorous, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's,
2: it's better than like there's five years when it was so cool to be a rapper. Yeah. Right. No, I have a <laughs> saying I use all the
1: time now. Entrepreneur is a new rapper. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs>
2: Good.
1: It is the new rapper. Yeah. Like look on the internet. It's the new fucking rapper yep. because everybody's like, well, fuck it. I can't be a rapper. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Well,
2: like they just man. keep seeing these 26 year old having $1 billion unicorn valuations and right, you know, they it's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. it. It's going to be nothing. They, right. This guy started two years ago. Now he's got a $4 billion valuation. Right. They just think it's so simple. Right. Um, so the real practicality is nowadays in 2016, you can find out if your idea is people are going to care literally tonight. If you said, hey, let's start newwatchstraps.com. Okay. We have an idea. We're going to do newwatchstraps.com. I can go on to WordPress, make a site for free. I can go get graphics that I pay on Fiverr five bucks for or go on to 99designs and pay 50 bucks for 100 bucks for and get 200 submissions. So now I have a real, real designer submitting for real, a real product for newwatchstraps.com. I'm spending nothing. I'm spending five bucks or free 100 bucks. Then I go out and I get the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Pinterest. I get every single account at newwatchstraps. So now I have the same bio in every single one and I have a watch strap as my picture with my profile picture. All that was free. Mm. But from the outside looking in, if they go look me up, I look like an actual company now. Now I go look at my competitors. I go look at, I Google everything about watch straps, bad watch straps, good watch straps, million dollar watch straps. I Google all these different terms and I see who did what and what, more importantly, in the comment section on greatwatchstraps.com on my competitor site, what the comments are from the customers. And then I adjust. These are too expensive. These are too cheap. Mine broke. Mine did this. Seeing those reactions, I can now adjust to newwatchstraps.com and say, we're going to be high end. We're going to be low end. We're going to be mid tier. We're going to be both. Whatever we're going to be, I can go and figure it out in Google search. And in one hour, be more of an expert than probably the guy that actually owns goodwatchstraps.com. So now I know how much I want to be. I know what my site's going to look like. I got designs from Fiverr or 99designs. I have a WordPress site. I have all my social media accounts. I start making my nine-page business plan. You don't need a 45-page business plan with seven-year finance. Nobody cares. I'm never going to read your 45-page business plan. I promise. I get sent 300 business plans a month, 500 business plans in a month. I'm going to read 10 to 15 pages of it, and I should know in the first five pages whether I care or anybody's going to care. You don't need to do 45 pages and get so overwhelmed that it never happens.
1: Yeah. Realize that, realize that when somebody's reading your business plan, that they are waiting for you to get right to the point. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we, we get it. Like you don't have to tell the, the fucking glamorous story that, Where's the you
2: know, $7 billion market, right? No, you're selling no, watch straps. You're right. not going to do $7 billion. Yeah. Like, Just <laughs> get right to the point, what
1: you want to do, right. how you're going
2: to do it, what you, you know, the meat. Exactly. You know, So basically, you start writing out your business plan. It can be as long as an executive summary. It could just be nine or 10 pages. And during that process of just Google searching what the other competitors are doing and putting that into your business plan, you start learning whether you even like it or not, or you love it more. You might realize that watch strap industry is only 40 million, and there's one guy doing 38 million, so I don't want to get into that. Or you might realize it's a bazillion dollars, and now you're so excited that you're, you're working on it 17 hours a day. Just going through the process of actually Google searching and figuring out what's going on in the industry, again, you're getting smarter and better. Then I make my business plan, which costs me nothing. I have my social media accounts, which cost me nothing. You don't have to trademark newwatchstraps.com yet because you don't need to yet. It's not a thing yet. You can still find out for free or for a hundred bucks whether it's valid, whether it's a real thing. Then the next day you wake up, your website's live. Your business plan's complete. You send it to some people that care. You're not going out and raising money. You just want to see if people care. You're just talking to your friends. So let's point out a couple things yeah. as we're here. So A, you could test. This is
1: something that was never possible before. No. You could test your idea before you actually open your business. Correct. Okay. And if you're going to look for investors, you want to have the the business at least set up. Set up yes. before you, you go pitch people with
2: your plan. A lot of people will send a business plan with nothing to look at, right? I, I can't explain how many, if I showed you that my DMs or my emails every single day of people asking for 100K, 250K, 500K, do you know what I do every single time? My best way to say no is saying yes. I say, oh, great. Send me your business plan to, and here's my email address. They won't even do that. How many people send me it? Out of 100, two. Maybe too. Yeah. Maybe right. do you know that on stage at every time I speak an event, I give out my email and phone number on stage. How many people call me? Nobody. I call you buddy. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, and by the way, what's the best part is I say it on stage. The reason I'm going to give out my email and phone number up here is that none of you are going to call me. Well, that goes right into what we were talking about. Success zombie shit
1: where people just consume, consume, yeah. consume, right. consume, consume, and they, they love the idea, but they don't want to do the work.
2: They, in that crowd every single
1: time. Right? Which is amazing because you're, you're attracting like you're a big deal, dude. I mean, you guys might not have heard of him yet but if you look into him and learn what he's done, he's a huge deal. And for somebody to stand on stage of your caliber and say that, that's that's crazy. And they, mm.
2: they laugh at me. They yeah. all laugh together like ha ha ha. Like I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you and 20 of them say, it, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be like everybody else. And they all whisper to me, I'm not going to be like everybody else. How many of them call me? None. Yeah. literally none.
0: That is crazy.
2: And they, and they all need it or they want it. They all do those things and it's so rare. So now the next thing is you have, you have your watch straps, you have your, you, you have your business plan going. Each time, each time you do it, you can now test with checking out Facebook ads and for five or 10 bucks, you can test and figure out people that follow at Rolex or at whatever brand that you like or whatever is going to be relevant to your, to watch straps, you can go test for five or 10 bucks. People in Beverly Hills, New York, Miami, and these upper end, they're this age group. They have this kind of financial demographic. You can pinpoint for nothing. It doesn't cost you anything extra to pinpoint, hmm. and now you can test. Let's call it hundred dollars. You go crazy. And you're going to spend a hundred dollars on this idea, and you and you test ten bucks, ten bucks, ten bucks, ten bucks, all these different cities that are all high end. And before you've even announced to your friends or you've announced on Facebook that you have newwatchstraps.com, you've tested to see if people care in these ten cities. If nobody cares, don't tell your friends yet. You won't have any egg on your face. Who cares? Hmm. So now you've tested for a hundred dollars. You went crazy, and you actually had. 46 people come to your site and six people bought something and they spent 20 30 bucks each and now you did $182 in revenue and you broke even on your hundred bucks. Holy shit. You have a business right now You can scale now you realize that something actually works people cared now you spend 250 bucks You make your website a little bit better You actually paid somebody now from Fiverr or from some website and you actually paid them a freelance site $200, $500, $300, $200, $500, $300, some nominal amount. Don't go spend five or 10 grand on your website. You don't need it at first. See if people care later. If people care, sure. Go spend $12,000 on newwatchstraps.com and make it some big fancy thing. But on, at the beginning, you don't need to raise any money. You don't need to borrow any money. You, you, need, don't. S- you, you need to feel the temperature, yeah. you know, for the product. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So. People, people, y- you guys, it's really, it's really simple. It really is. Um, Especially I'll, now. Yeah. It, but it, but I could see where I could see where it would be confusing for someone. Sure, you know what I mean.
0: Something I noticed, and this is something that Andy's talked about a lot, is that there seems to be this paradox in an entrepreneurialism where you have to control all the the variables that you can control, but you also have to be okay with the messiness and the evolution of your of your business. And how in your life and in your work, how have you manage to strike that that balance
2: so when things fail or things get messy or things screw up I don't care I don't sit on the floor and cry about it that's the the way I say it because I can't prevent that I can't stop that so if all of a sudden Facebook cuts the reach and now my 4 million followers only 400,000 people see something well I can't cry about Facebook every day for the next two months because that does nothing right Absolutely literally nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah. absolutely nothing. In fact, sure. it keeps you from doing productive things. Right. Right. So when, when the whole poker industry got shut down, my world got shut upside, flipped upside down. I was doing millions of dollars in revenue, tens of thousands of new players a day. It was like an amazing business. And then the government shuts down online poker. Holy shit. What do I do? Dan Bilzerian calls me at 10, 10 AM and says, dude, are you in the country? Where are you? Like <laughs> so yeah. the poker industry is over. I was like, no, I'm at the Bellagio. What are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm right here. And that day should have been the, one of the worst days of my life because this business that was an eight-figure going to be a nine-figure business that, like just was gone. Right. And instead, I went on the offensive. I did 82 interviews that week. I said, look, I didn't do anything wrong. I went and paid back every single player in the, where my competitors, none of them paid anybody back. That way I could sleep at night. Right. So I paid back 41,000 people right away. And I went and did ESPN and every single interview you can imagine. And I showed everybody bank statements and proof that everything was perfectly great. And the response I got was mind-blowing. I started getting hired by casinos to consult for them. I started getting hired by huge financial institutions to consult for them, paying ridiculous rates. When I had just lost effectively tens of millions of dollars of my equity because I owned half the company overnight, I was able to turn that... Horrible negatives. I have no control. If I just sat on the floor and cried and I went back to Malta and I went back to my apartment and just sat and cried on the floor like, woe is me. Everybody should feel bad for me. What the hell would that have done? Nothing. Nothing. So I went on the offensive and showed why this is right. Why I did everything proper. Why I pay everybody. Why this is what's going to happen in the industry. Why it needs to be regulated. Why we could have prevented what the, my competitors did. And that being on the offensive turned into me being the CEO of a casino for a year, me getting all these consulting gigs because I was the only good guy in the industry. So turning the negative into the positive, when things get messy, you just have to evolve and keep going. And I call it outperform it If you go out there and you outwork and you outperform it, you won't even remember when Facebook let you get all 4 million people seeing your stuff. Right. You won't even remember
1: those Plus, days. Plus, I think a point to recognize here too is that especially like within your industry, because we've had a number of these situations happen where things the rules change in sure. one day. You know, a gov- the government ca- says no more of this ingredient yep. or no more of this kind of product or this or that or whatever. And dude, you know, companies there's companies that ride those products like that's all they do and when the when the rule comes in and, and changes they're they are crying. They're like, "Oh, it's over, it's right. over, it's over." While I'm sitting back trying to, I'm like, "All right, well, let's adjust right now. Yeah. Let's move forward." And you know, that's what's always kept us ahead right. is because of that mentality of just not, it's it's not that you don't care. It's that you learn to take the negative and turn it into productive action. The, like I, anytime you're feeling bad, you know, like, yeah. like, and I teach this with with performance or business, you know, when you feel like you don't want to do something or you feel like something bad has happened or you feel like the stress or the anxiety of, a, let's say, a competitor doing something, that should be your trigger yes. to... To act in a productive way. You know, it's a pivot point is what I call it. You know, and most people pivot the wrong way. They go down that self-pity, Crying, yeah. cry, post a negative shit on Facebook. That shit doesn't do anything but hurt you.
2: By by staying busy, you don't have time to cry.
0: Right. Is this, is this a fair way to succinctly state what you just said? That you shouldn't complain about the way you want things to be. You should work with the way that things are. Yeah
2: you you're never going to i'm never going to be able to change facebook cutting the reach i'm never going to be able to change the government stopping my competitors they didn't stop me my site became the biggest one there was for a minute but i i, I realized once they stopped them and it was bloody bloody hell okay well right. this industry is completed now i'm going to go be a consultant for when it get does get regulated and now years later america started regulating multiple states and eventually it's going to be National and I'll be the one clean-cut good guy that actually did everything right right and I'll be the guy that everybody comes to You can't control if the government says or the FDA says oh, we're removing this ingredient from supplements Well, you're not gonna f- change that and if you do it's gonna take four years to change it. and you can fight it during that time But during those four years while you're fighting it with the government and trying to set, get Prove to them that that ingredient should be in there. You have to adjust on day one and day two because those four years of government is just, and
1: when the four years is up, you're behind the ball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So exactly.
2: Once again, though, guys, I, I mean, there's
0: just an amazing paradox that goes on where you say all the time, Andy, that to to succeed in entrepreneurialism, you have to care, you have to be yes. passionate, but you also have to have a certain level of detachment. Well, it I think like you do. Saying, I
1: think you do care. I think I don't think it's I don't personally think that it's that you don't care. I think it's just you care so much and you're disciplined enough to know that because I'm upset or because I'm frustrated or because I, cause I guarantee you do. When you got that call, you're like, fuck,
2: yeah, you know, well, I cared. Right. Yeah. But
1: you, you're disciplined enough to take that care and know that like, all right, I'm flipping it over and doing something productive.
2: You know what I cared about the most was those 41,000 people that I had their money. Yeah. And I, that's why I paid them back within four days. I did absolutely everything I could to pay them back in case something worse happened. Cause my site didn't get affected by what happened to my competitors. But in case something did and the government decided, yeah, we're just going to mess with him. The rest too, of the
1: companies kept that money, right?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they haven't paid him back. We're talking about millions and, and millions of dollars. Yeah. At the time, it was hundreds of millions. Yeah. It was insanity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, caring about the customer meant uh, affected me by tens of millions of dollars. But I had to. I, I, There was no choice to me. When other people were thinking, oh, you should just continue on and just be a European site or just be this or just be that. No. I have to pay every single person back. And then figure it out because the customer, it, it sounds cliche, the customer is absolutely positively the most important thing because if I risked no their question. money, I would be, if, if something happened and their money got frozen, even if it was frozen by the government, it's still me that messed up.
1: That's right. If the I did trust them, is everything, man, yes. it is,
2: it's net. You never, ever, ever, ever violate that ever. I would never have been able to walk back into a casino five years later right. without people scolding at me. Right. And and think of how many
1: think of how many opportunities that whole situation opened up for you. For sure. Not just in that in that arena, but in like the the like this. Like, yeah,
2: dude, Dan Fleischman did this. He's a great dude. You need to meet him. How many people have you met because of that? Oh, it's, a, it's every week. Yeah, exactly. It's every week because people know that when the chips are down and things bad ha- things happen, You're that's, gonna how, that's that. how I react. That's right. And that's th- that will help me for the rest of my life.
1: It's amazing. It's an amazing amazing. story.
0: That goes with doing the right thing. Yeah. Always. 100%. And and
2: that's why I don't mind talking about failures. Even though technically I didn't fail, it still failed. Right. I can say I failed. Yeah. Even if I didn't physically fail and the company was doing great at the time, industry shut down, company's done, I failed. But I can talk about that because so much was learned through that process. So much was done when those bad things happened and so many good things came from it. And when it becomes regulated, I'll be, I'll be that guy. You'll be ready um, to go. Ready, Dan. You already. <laughs> shared, you got to you, shared, teach you how to play
0: <laughs> first. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You already shared some practical practical steps for starting, but yeah. if, if it's okay with you, uh, could we back up just for a second? Sure. Because in chapter, I think it's chapter one of of your book, when you talk about the checklist, you, you you stated twenty questions uh, that you need to answer before you get started, and sure. the very first question you you say is. Why am I starting a business? Yep. And the question that popped into my head when I read that was, in your mind, is there is there a, a standard answer that everybody needs to be able to supply? But to what extent can the answer vary from person to person? Sure.
2: So some people are starting a business uh, to fill a void. Some people are starting a business to make money. And that A lot of times that's their sole, sole reason for it. It's hard for that to be your sole reason because then there's no soul to it. There's no care to it. Um, so that can't be the only reason. Can you do a business that's focused on making money and buy things for 20 bucks and sell them for 60 and make money? Sure. Will that be a business that's sustainable for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years? No, because you don't care and you will never be able to convince other people to care because it's just a business for profit that doesn't have. And why do other people have to care? Because you can't do everything. That's right. You have to build a team. The team is, I, I wouldn't exist if I couldn't text my web guy, hey, make this free code for the MFCEO podcast. Because I would never have, I don't know how to do that. I think I'm a smart guy, but I, I don't know how to go onto a website, make a free code for a podcast for my ebook. Right. I just don't know how. Right. I have a guy that's been fantastic for eight years, and I would, without him, I couldn't exist. Right. I have, I have Nicole. If I didn't have Nicole for the last couple of years, she literally runs my life, right? If I couldn't text her, Hey, can you do this for this social media campaign? Hey, can you do this for this? Hey, can you text this influencer this text, this celebrity, this, tell the lawyer to do this. It's not that I can't do those things, but with the other 300 emails a day and a thousand texts a day and the social media and right. this and that, and the phone conferences. And she just to- wouldn't get done the way it so needs to which get wouldn't done. happen. Right? So you have a partner, I can text them, hey bro, can you do this phone conference today? I'll do this one at 6 p.m. You do this one night. If I couldn't do those things, none of this would happen. Right. Right. We're I don't want to call us like a puppet master by being a CEO because we're not they're not puppets. No. But we're coordinating. It's more like well, a symphony. Okay. Trying to coordinate it, everybody to get so, together. I mean, that's a great the great.
1: Outside, it, the That's exactly what it is. It's exactly a symphony. And and I'm gonna tell you right now, and I bet you'll agree. In my symphony, there's always Half of the half of the symphony that's out of tune, (laughs) so these guys over here are doing it great, and then you got like these three, four dudes over here just banging the drums, yeah. Like, guys, why are you pointing at me? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, the thing is, is you know, it it, 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 that's a perfect example, but I think from the outside looking in, the way CEO has been presented and branded and painted with people, they think that it is puppet master, it's not that, and if that's the way you look at it, like. Some we've talked about some people that we both agree play that role that yeah. way, and it doesn't ever work.
2: Nobody wants to short work, term, nobody wants to work for the puppet master. No, they want to work for the quarterback that inspires them, the coach that inspires them. Look at football coaches, some of them are demigods. People yeah. are like talk about coaches from, <laughs> from the, the years most, ago. The
1: most influential people in some of these people's lives, like you look at a guy, uh, like, like Vince Lombardi, who's one of the most qu- quoted. <laughs> inspirational motivational speakers he's a fucking x's and o's guy yeah but you never heard him say things like hey, go out there and fucking wish for the result <laughs> you know he said go out there and kick these motherfuckers asses yeah. you know what i mean and you know you, if you ever watch like uh urban Meyer or nick saban talk holy shit man they're on another level of like just pure fire and you know they always it's always about the work. It's always about execution. It's always about just going and doing
2: what you know how the, to do. Those football players would go out on the field and die for Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Because he was their like their father figure, their big brother. He was their inspiration. And so many times you that's what the CEO and the president need to be.
1: But the reason that he was like that though is because he fucking cared about those people. Absolutely. He didn't go he didn't walk out of football practice and say, Oh, fuck those guys. No. You know, he lived and breathed and and died all the shit they did
2: in a different way. And dude, that's respect, man. He's, he's watching tapes after hours. Exactly. He's, he's there at 7am. He's, you know, and that's what the CEO is. You, yeah. can, you come and get me early in the morning and we were together till late at night. And that's, that's the day of a CEO. It's not, it's not optional. It's, it's not freedom. Mandatory. Freedom. Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to, I want to start my own business cause I want to be free.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the boss. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Be, yeah. be employee number seven. That, that, yeah. that, that is easier. Yeah. Right. Cause that's, there's still good money in being employee number 7. There's still you still have some yeah. equity. You're getting a yeah. good salary. And you get some freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. You get to, you can go home at six o'clock. But I'm owned. Yeah. Like, you know, you're owned. Yeah, like I'm we... I'm
1: owned by our companies. Like our people, you know what I mean? I'm okay with it. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. But it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's just not and it's not what cuz people think, "Oh, cuz you got the money, you can do whatever you want." No, you can't. Cuz if you want the money to keep coming in, guess what? You got to do what's required. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's that's something people don't think about. So let's stay on the track of practical, practical. So we, we you know, we've got a website. Yep.
2: We've bu- we've we've built a business plan. Got your social media accounts. Mm-hmm. You've tested a little bit. People cared. You did your 182 dollars in revenue. You broke even with your 100 bucks in t- in testing. Now that's when you can start to spend a little money. Now you can get a corporation, now you can trademark your name, you can get a lawyer. The great thing is you have like sites like LegalZoom.com and you don't have to go spend $10,000 deposits for a retainer with an attorney, go spend 700 bucks on LegalZoom type sites and get the things that you need because you don't need these huge drawn out agreements. I will say this, it's very important to have the simple agreements and the simple terms of what even your own friends, partners, I don't care if it's your dad that works for you, your mom, your, your best friend from high school. Too many times people have a 50-50 joint venture and they started together in, in school, right? Because it's cool. Okay. Right. This
1: is going to be great. Right.
2: Right. And what happens is now you got to college and one of the kids becomes a 4.0 student and he's only working at the office 10% of the time. The other one's doing 90% of the work and it causes frustrations. If you made it clear what people's responsibilities are. Who's going to do what? What the equity is going to be? There's sometimes that you start your friend a company with your friend in school, and you think you're just going to give them five or ten percent, and they think it's fifty-fifty, and you never said anything about it. Now you're just, you know, you're going to have the the social network situation for Facebook, where right. everybody just thinks that they own Facebook. If things were clear, the Winklevosses would never have been able to sue Zuckerberg. Right. If things were just clear. But because he avoided it for so for six months, and while he was building in the background. And there's all these emails, but they're one-sided. It wasn't clear. If right. he just said, no, I'm doing this, they had no right to sue him. <clears throat> right. They didn't ever have it built. They never built anything. Same thing happened with his one of his dearest friends who ended up getting his stock taken down by such a big amount. That was the guy that loaned him the money when he needed it most. Here's your seven grand or six grand, whatever it was. That guy went on to become a billionaire, but he had to sue his dearest friend from school because... There wasn't a basic agreement. Right. right. So it's really important that I do. My, my brother works with me as my accountant. My mom works with me in consulting. She helped build the Sarbanes-Oxley Act on how to be like I have family members and friends that are part of it. And everybody has such a simple agreement. Right. This is what you're supposed to do. This is your scope of work. This is what your equity is or what your salary is. And that's it. Sometimes you have to remove the emotion to remove the emotion. A lot of times people are like, well, we'll be able to work together and their boyfriend, girlfriend or husband, wife or mom and son or whatever it is. And they can't remove the emotion because things are emotional. Business is emotional. right? You listen to Andy, he's talking with passion and he's cursing and screaming. That's because he cares. Yeah. It's not because he's putting on a show. He actually cares. Somebody slammed the door. He went and screamed at them because <laughs> he cares. Yeah. I- he's doing a podcast for a million people to listen to and an employee slams the door. He got up and walked down and cussed at them. Why? Because this is important. This is a part of Real life, real life passion. So by putting an agreement together and saying, this is what you do, this is what you're going to get, you don't leave any discrepancies out. I wish I would have done that more when I was a kid. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, those conversations are intimidating to have, right? You know, when you you are a young man or a young woman, I mean, it it really took me until I was about 30 years old to be comfortable with conflict like that. Like everybody looks at me and they're like, this guy has no problem with confrontation. (laughs) Dude, that's something that I had to like learn. Of course. Because... Those conversations of having, you know, my dad always told me you should never be you should never be embarrassed to talk about money. And, and he meant that literally and also when in a business situation. Sure. Right. I'm not talking about like, dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah fucking <laughs> worth. X, you know? No, I'm talking about like if you're making a business agreement, you should be totally comfortable talking about the way things are going to be. Yes. And I, I was never comfortable because I was always like, man, this is going to be... Dude, I was so uncomfortable. I can remember this. When our first time that we ever sold anything to somebody I didn't know, I can remember it when I was in the store. And I was like scared to ask, to tell the guy like, yeah, this is like 30 bucks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just going to be like, oh, like before you even told me the price, you know, it was 30 bucks. I was going to be like, oh, it's, it's, it's 30 bucks, but I'll give it to you for 22. Like <laughs> I was that big of a pussy. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't want to... I and I know people are probably laughing right now because like I've I come no, full No, I circle. think
0: that's a universal struggle. But,
1: no, yeah, I think you're right. But the thing is, is that you have to do it, and it's just like anything. The first time you jump in the swimming pool when you're three years old, and you can't fucking swim. It's scary, you know what I mean? But now, when you're a normal adult and you get in the pool, you, you're comfortable because you've done it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you have to just, you know, it sets a good precedent up front for having those conversations. Because there's going to be a lot of those conversations. Absolutely, it's not just on day one when you're making these agreements. There's going to be a lot of them, and you have to be able to communicate that. Like people ask, like how Chris and I have such a great relationship. Well, dude, we just lay it out. Hey, this is that. This is this. What do you want to do? All right, we'll do this, and then we figure it out. And that's you know, I work with my brother every day, and there's days where we want to punch the shit out of each other. But you know what? We definitely don't. Shy away from having
2: the conversations, right. and that's a good thing. actually because otherwise things build up, right? And then the, there's a real explosion, right? So,
0: so I've heard it said that the reason that you have agreements is not because you don't trust each other, or you don't, you know, you don't trust your friends and family, but be, but actually because you do trust one another, you trust one another enough to articulate the the, the specific nature of the agree of, of the the parameters of the business yeah, agreement. S-
2: spelling it out is spelling it out ahead of time. Is so much more valuable than later on down the line having a conflict mm-hmm. where you thought you own 10% and I thought he owned 50% or vice versa. No matter what, there's gonna be a problem. Or you thought you were gonna get X percentage of the sales, or we we're just gonna split all the money that came in when there's actually expenses every single month. So you thought we we're gonna make 13000 a month net each when actually we're making two grand a month net and we have to eat a couple of noodles because we gotta pay for this, 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 and this. And those are all things that should be
1: outlined. Okay, if we are we sharing uh, revenue on the profits or are we sharing revenue or right. are, are we, what are we going to do if, uh, if legal, the legal we have bill is six grand, right? Exactly. Yeah. You need to like think these situations and sometimes you're not going to know what to fucking talk about. Right. But yeah. what I'm saying is, is start having these conversations from the beginning yep. because then when those situations come up, you could say like I had to say like, dude, we didn't pay our fucking, uh, our, uh, withholding tax for 18 months and we owe the IRS over a million dollars. Right. And it, cause we, we fucked up, you know what I'm saying? So we had to have a hard conversation. Like what are we going to do? Sure. Okay. Well, we're not going to pay ourselves for until we pay it off yep. and we had to pay it off, you know, but the point of it is, is that you're going to have these situations where you're going to mess up. It's going to cause a problem in the business. And if you wait until then to start practicing, having the hard conversations, <laughs> they're going to go really bad.
2: Yes.
0: So, practical point are you saying that you should get i mean how formal do these need to be can you do they just need to be typed yeah you need it you know
2: at the beginning when you don't have the money doing the bullet points is the most important getting the 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 meat of it the terms of it out is what's important a lot of agreements are googleable right you just write loan purchase agreements or equity share agreements or invoice purchase order form sales invoice all the things you need are on the internet right 2016 six years ago you wouldn't know what i'm talking about and if all else fails make a fucking word document yeah make a
1: one-page document yeah you know what i mean i think you can always improve it with a lawyer later i get people yeah exactly i get people that say people that like i got this the other day well i got this great idea but I don't want to tell anybody. Oh, my God. I could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> yeah. I got, what do you tell them? Because I tell them, I always say, I will, like that's why that's why they make agreements called non-disclosure, non, uh, non-compete. And to be honest with you, if you don't trust somebody enough not to steal your idea, you shouldn't even talk to them.
2: I've never once signed an NDA in my life, and I never will. And I tell every single entrepreneur that because I well, get Well, you asked. don't have the time to do the shit, and neither do I. I promise you from the bottom of my heart, I don't care how awesome your idea is. Yeah. If you can't execute, it's irrelevant
1: hundred percent.
2: I don't care. That's great cool.
1: But dude, people, people fucking think that they have something and then they come to you and they say, Oh, I don't know who
2: I could trust. I don't know. Dude, you don't have anything. The other thing is if your idea works and I give you $1 million and my friends all invest in you and we make your company great. The second that you get any media, the second you get any traction, there's going to be so many competitors that it doesn't matter you just have to outperform yourself. When I got into the hoverboard space, there was 40, 50 other hoverboards. I built the number one board in five months flat and did millions of dollars in sales and retail sales and 40 grand a day online and blah, blah, 160 celebrities. I just had to focus on myself and make a really high quality product so that the competitors were- Yeah, for were those relevant. of you guys
1: who saw the hoverboard on, on Instagram, which everybody saw it, and you guys probably all have one, yeah. that was Dan's deal. He did that.
2: And I I was going against competitors that had this idea that they didn't want to show. And I just outperformed them. It was irrelevant.
1: It's funny how many people get caught up on that shit. Like they're like on an agreement or on a, on the legal ease of an agreement. Yeah. Like, Oh, I like your, I I really want to do business with you, but I have this issue with this thing that might happen 17 years from now. And so for that reason, I don't want to talk to you. It's like, dude, you're wasting my time.
2: If you, if you pitch a venture capitalist or an angel investor, your phantasmic original idea, which is very hard to have an original idea because remember there's seven billion humans that have thousands of thoughts a day. So it's really hard for you to have an original idea. Most of the time you just have an idea with a twist to something that already existed, which is how everything happens in the world. It all just evolves in twists. It doesn't matter. The venture capitalist is not gonna say, oh, I'm not gonna give this kid a million dollars. I'm gonna fund a million dollars myself and go start this watchstraps.com myself and blah. No. You're pitching these money guys. You're pitching these people because they don't want to do the work. They want to fund you because they've already done work in the past to get their money. They're funding somebody like you to go do it. And if he goes and does it himself, it doesn't matter. Go do it yourself and go. Exactly. It doesn't matter. There's 7 billion people. There's so many continents on the planet to go push something or build your business online. Who cares? If I go show people newwatchstraps.com, and that guy's got blah, 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 com. They're going to buy me or they're not. If I make a better product than them, they're going to buy here. Whether the VC funded somebody else for the million bucks, it doesn't matter. You can only focus on your own. And wasting the time on an NDA, you're going to never start watchtraps.com. 100%. It's just not going to happen.
0: So while we're on the subject of legal agreements, this is probably not you know the most important thing in the world. But I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you've got a section in your, in your book on this. All of the things being equal, do you think for starting entrepreneurs that the, the, the organization of choice is just to form an LLC.
2: Yeah. You just be very simple, straightforward. Again, you can always improve and change things when you have money. Mm -hmm. What you do at the beginning is you get by and you do the things that are open and honest and clear with the people you're working with. But when you build your first website on wordpress.com for free, you build it. And then when you have money, you can spend money. But if you don't ever start because you don't have the money to start, that's what the problem is. Too many people have an uncle for the last eighteen years. They're like, I'm going to make the best fishing bait hook ever, and for eighteen years he's never made the fishing bait hook. And your uncle saved up $146,000 working at the local construction firm, and he's got some money. He could wait. He could test it and spend $16,000 and put that aside, not affect his life and his retirement. Still have his 130 grand, and he could gamble and tr- take 16 grand and put it into the business and go for it. And he's never going to because. He doesn't understand what 2016 is and what 2016 provides. He doesn't understand, and he won't just go through the process because he thinks he needs millions of dollars or only 21-year-olds only know how to do a Twitter and a Facebook and know how to do an Instagram marketing. They, they just don't start, and so many of them don't realize that there's a 21-year-old kid that will work for you for a little bit of equity to start, fishingbaithook.com. And give them some equity and they'll go do the work and they'll start your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, blah, blah, Pinterest. They'll go do all that stuff for you and they'll cost you lunch money or a little bit of equity. Right. And the uncle could do it and they don't. And that's the biggest problem in our society is it, even with everything provided to us on a silver platter. Cause I never had this stuff back in the days and it's no. weird because I feel very young, but back in the days is only five or 10 years ago. Right. That's how fast we're evolving. It's a totally different thing. It's,
1: yeah. It's completely different. And I think that people who people are always people that are excuse guys who are are excuse makers um, or this is why I believe entrepreneurship is something that you just have or you don't have. And people argue with me about that. They get really upset when I say that because they think that I'm saying that they're not one. But I do know this. People who are prone to finding reasons why not to do it. There's always going to be a reason. Always, It's like people when they say kids, if you wait to have kids till you're ready, you're never going to be ready. Sure. You know, it's, it's the same thing with business. Mm-hmm. And if you've got something that you want to go after or something that you feel, um, you, you, you're not, nobody's going to come and say, Oh yeah, do this. Or this is a great idea for you to do, or you should do this. Or here's, you know, I'm the, I'm the fishing lure king of the world. And i give you permission to, to, uh, proceed with this idea. Like that's not how it works. You just go fucking do it. And I guess that's why like I always kind of skip over this step because I feel like you know almost every successful entrepreneur I've ever met, in fact, I can't think of anybody that doesn't fall into this. But if this isn't you, I don't want you to feel discouraged, but I'm just saying my personal experience wasn't the type of guy who was out selling snow cones or baseball cards or whatever when they were when they were young. I feel like it was just something I had to do. Yep. You know what I mean? And for that reason I'm going to try to find a way to do it. And I think that if people, you know, if you're one of these people now, there's never been better opportunity. It's never been easier. It's never been less expensive. Um, And if you're not one of those people, but you want to be and you want to make a change, I think it's become so accessible now that it's a reality for someone to do something. And you don't, you know, we're not talking about making a billion dollars here. You know, what if someone makes a hundred grand or 200 grand? That's life changing for Absolutely. most people. Absolutely,
2: Making mm-hmm. an extra three grand a month would change most people's lives. Right,
1: exactly. And you can do that
2: pretty, I mean, I don't want to use the word easy, but, but. think about it. When easier I said, than it has been. Yeah, when I said three grand a month, that's, can you make a hundred bucks a day? That yeah. Way, can you just break it down that way? Can you figure out a way to make four bucks an hour online? Right. If you can't figure out how to make 100 bucks a day, then that's not a business.
1: Well, yeah. and all of these things that we're talking about are covered in, in your book, which is how to set up your business for under $1,000. Where where can people buy this book? It's actually
2: called buythisbook.com. All right. <laughs> makes it easy. <laughs> Funny you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I came up with the name buythisbook.com because that's just a saying that people use. Um, and we made a free code for the ebook, MFCEO. There you go. Nice. That way everybody can get that for free. So,
1: if you guys, you know, we're kind of covering the we're kind of covering the 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 outer skirts, the rough edges if you will of, of just concepts here. But I mean, this book is short, it's easy to read, and there is a ton of information in here yeah. that's practical for you guys. So,
0: if your bibliography is really priceless too. Yeah, is it back. A, Oh yeah, it's really good. It's really good.
2: The uh so I just sat and researched every single platform you could use for free yeah. or cheap and I put them into very easy to find in the back yeah. so that you can use this book three years from now and say, oh, who should I use for my website or who should I use for design or who should I use for accounting? There's just all these different options in the back and they're just the top five or six of each category. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. It's, worth the price. The it's, it's, it's worth the cost of the book just for the bibliography. And I'm not... Right. You know, I'm looking just, at that right now. That is I pretty mean, cool. It's, it's really good. You just put the effort into it to put it all together. But um, I, I don't know you know, what direction you want to take this, Andy, but I, I, I don't know if it's okay to just touch on some of the things that you talked about in terms of knowing your customers.
1: We we have such a detailed script that you made here. Uh, Yeah, I know, I know, I know.
0: So, uh, no, I mean, in the section where you talked about your customers, Dan, one of the things that I, one of the questions that popped into my head was, you talked about knowing your customer, kind kind of coming up with that template and just being as detailed as you can. But the thought that went through my mind was, how much of that is affected by the nature of your product or service, because I, the thing that immediately popped in my head was, well, Coca-Cola wants everybody to buy it, sure, right. But if you're you know to use Andy's analogy of butterflies, you know if you're if you're selling butterfly starter kits, right, then you would have a more specific customer Sure. So how would you counsel people in terms of forming it in their minds, like how does your product and service service depend on how specific you need to be about? envisioning your customer I guess sure
2: so it's two different style of businesses if you make a product that's for everybody like toilet paper or water or things that are for everybody then you're just mass marketing you just want everybody to know the name the spaghetti against the wall talk about it to everybody if you're making the most high-end protein in the world you're going after guys that work out and girls that work out and people that care about their physique and body and you can look at those demographics if you're making watchstraps.com you're looking at people that are willing to buy watches and watches that are expensive enough that have interchangeable watch straps so you can look at Wealth Location region age groups, you know that a 16 year old is not probably buying fancy watches, right? And you know that a 70 or 1 year old woman is probably not buying fancy watches and if they do they're not buying ones with watch straps So you can gauge who fits for what what if it's butterflies You can tell okay guys that are 55 to 75 year old males are probably not buying butterfly kids, right? you can just You can curtail all your marketing to who you think fits what you are. Which has never been able to be done before now. Mm -hmm. Never, ever,
1: ever could you do that before.
2: It's Mm -hmm. scary how detailed I can get on Facebook ads. I can actually target people that work at First Form specifically. Right. Hmm. Not just like First Form. Work at First Form and live in St. Louis and are this age group. Where I can narrow it down, where it's just going to be basically marketed to you. And I can do that as a, a brand. Let's say I wanted to sell something to First Form. I can target who's the the buyer or the manufacturer or the president of the company, target it where on just their Facebook, they're gonna see the marketing. Wow, it's scary. Yeah, I man. Can, so when I go into a market and you've never been able to do that, so never. think about like when I started my business in
1: 1999 and I had to get customers, I had to buy a newspaper yep. ad, a radio ad, yep. or a TV ad, yep. and that was it. Right. And if you bought those things, you are paying the rate. For all of those customers, which means you're paying for 90% of the people, even though they're not interested in whatever it is you have. Useless.
2: Yep. So Uh, I I I used to wrap cars, crazy, 91 wrapped cars. Yeah. I loved wrapping cars because that was my only way to get into a city. Every time I would get Budweiser, Coors, Miller, Pepsi to be our distributor. Part of my agreement was I got to wrap at least two of their cars and one of their semi trucks. And I would provide two Hummers to them as a bonus. So I'd pay the leases for two Hummers for the best sales reps of the month. Got to, got to use those on the weekends. And some of them got to use them full full time. And I did that because now the reps were the, out there working harder because they wanted to get those Hummers. Right. I was getting marketing from those Hummers driving around. So I don't mind paying $650 a month for the, each of these Hummers because those reps were proud to drive to the local bar, to the grocery store, to the restaurant. Everywhere they're going, they're driving marketing my drink. Yeah. <laughs> But they were ecstatic because these guys are making three, four grand a month and now they get this fancy, fancy truck back then. That was perfect for them. It was great for everybody involved, but I had to do that micro targeted marketing because that's all I could afford or that's all the way I could do it. I could only get X amount of billboards, X amount of TV, X amount of radio. I was sponsoring NASCAR before any other energy drink parts in NASCAR, but I couldn't afford NASCAR. And for four years I did it. How did I do it? I would go do a $1.5 million NASCAR sponsorship, but I would get Circle K to buy $3 million in drinks to be the Circle K logo on the side of the car. So it Hmm. had my energy drink name on the top, Circle K on the side, $3 million would make me break even because I'd net 1.5. That's the 1.5 I'd pay them. But because of that, I would get so many other stores and I was getting so much publicity from the NASCAR that cost me nothing. Right. Hmm. Go to the Utah State Fair. 16 years, it was called the Coca-Cola Utah State Fair. And then this little kid comes in and changes the name of a Mormon town to the Who's Your Daddy Energy Drink <laughs> Utah State Fair. I love it. Two-year contract. <laughs> Billboards all over town with a big corn dog and an energy drink as the freaking billboard. They came up with that. How did I do that? <laughs> Dropping Coca-Cola, which is mind-boggling. Just saying that out loud, that they dropped them for me. Yeah, But... I had all nine Budweiser's in Utah carrying my drinks. I had Smith's grocery store that bought $2 million worth of drinks, which is what I paid was $2 million for the sponsorship. And in order to get $5 off your ticket, you had to go to the grocery store and buy an energy drink can. So people would go there, spend $2 on a can to get five bucks off, but you could get multiple so families would go do that and it worked out for them. What happened? We ended up doing $6 million with that grocery store. We end up crushing it in town with the restaurants, the local community stores, because they wanted it too, because there's freaking billboards all over town. I couldn't afford any of that. None of it. I only did it by utilizing the chain store to the event to make people come into the chain store so that they win, because now customers have to come in. I did all of it, just wanting to break even, because the break even, I got implied value. Because mm-hmm. now my brand was all over Utah, and everything else happened because of that. So
1: you have to be very creative even you when know, well, people people the younger entrepreneurs I feel like they fall you're being you're playing the long game sure. so to speak there and and that's what you should always be doing sure. but I feel like that's a hard thing for the young guys to grasp they what you just said that's like real branding you know what I mean like I'm going to do this I'm going to use all these things I have to get exposure so I can build a brand bigger right most people look at advertising of any form and they say well, I'm spending a thousand dollars for this. How am I gonna get a thousand dollars back? Right. And if you look at it like that, it, you'll, it'll never make sense. Mm-hmm. Even though you will get the thousand dollars back, it's
2: just you can't You're gonna be a the thousand dollar guy all the time. You're not gonna right. be the hundred million dollar guy. Right, exactly. You're gonna be mm-hmm. a thousand dollar flipper.
1: Right. And you're gonna be saying, I don't know if it really works. Right. I don't know if it, right. I don't know. I don't know if the right. advertising thing really works. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? That <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, it> works. <laughs>
0: For my own personal enrichment, do you all know if the uh, the advertising platforms on Instagram are as robust as the ones on Facebook? So because
2: because Facebook owns Instagram, it's going to eventually be identical. Mm-hmm. Um, the same reason that Facebook cut the reach is why Instagram cut the reach recently. Um, they're 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 getting tens of thousands of advertisers, so it's it's pretty targeted. It's still not anywhere near as good as Facebook um but it will be at some it's point evolving. Mm-hmm. It it's evolving it will be at some point yeah the mm-hmm.
1: the instagram the instagram even before facebook bought it has been to if you wanted to target it you had to go find the influencers in that specific arena pay them to share your post mm-hmm. and it's been like that for a long time i 100% agree and yeah. facebook and instagram have become exactly the same way targeted mm-hmm.
2: so with mm-hmm. mywatchstraps.com, I can now go search hashtags on Instagram and see watch strap, new watch, hashtag, anything to do with watches. I can just look at the hashtags. I can go comment from at my watch straps on all these guys' pages and get a reaction. Mm. Who better to go buy my watch straps than people that are talking about watch straps on social media? How much did that cost me? Absolutely nothing. cost me time and energy. And you don't have to do it 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., you can do it at one in the morning. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. When you, Before you go to bed, after you worked eight hours that day and you worked your side job as a waiter at nighttime and you get home and now it's 11 p.m., go on and search the hashtags for My Watch Traps for your business that you started for a couple hundred bucks, MyWatchTraps.com. By the way, there is no MyWatchTraps.com, guys. Um, <laughs> you were starting yeah. to convince me exactly, that right? <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying it and I was like, wait a minute, I might, I might actually have a business I, there. I think yeah. that what you just said is a huge
1: point that a lot of people overlook is that nowadays with the social media and with the internet like you don't have to do the nine to five right you, you can reach out to people you know at any time during the whatever hour right it, mm-hmm.
2: th- there is no offensive time on social media mm-hmm. because people don't have to look you're not calling them it was offensive if I called a buyer at a retailer at 8 p.m. at night at home it's not offensive if I tweet at him or comment on his Facebook or comment on his Instagram at 1:30 in the morning there's no it doesn't hurt him. He's not going to get in trouble. He's not going to be offended. It's not going to be rude. He's going to see it the next morning. So there's too much you can do. And a lot of times I tell entrepreneurs, don't quit your day job mm-hmm. because there's too many hours and too many things you can do after hours. If you just work from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. each night on your side project or your side hustle, mywashstraps.com. And during the daytime you work at a construction office and you're building and you're bricklaying and you're doing all that stuff. Three hours a day, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. That's 90 hours a month. That's 1,080 hours in a year. That's a lot of man hours that you put into my watch jobs. During those three hours a day, flip your phone upside down, turn, turn lost off. Don't watch TV. <laughs> Don't watch this. Focus. Just focus for three hours a day. Your focus three hours is better than most people's eight hours of, no of nonsense. Mm-hmm.
1: No question. I, yeah. I, I can speak from experience with that. When I started learning in the photography and video, I did it in the AM hours yep. just because there were so much less distractions. Right. I mean, there's no stores open. I can't Nobody's I can't texting out distract you. myself. Yeah. Everybody's sleeping. Yeah.
2: While everybody's sleeping, you can get so much done now. It's mind boggling the things that I get done at one in the morning, my girlfriend's sleeping. And I'm sitting there on social media or I'm on, on the internet and I'm Google searching. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Let
1: me let me tie this together for you guys real quick too, okay? Because I want to talk about something that we didn't talk about. You know, a lot of people are going to hear what you're saying and they're going to be like, "All right, I skip right to the advertising. I'm gonna, I got this <laughs> idea. I'm just going to advertise it. It's going to work." Look, here's the thing: if you don't go through the process that he described—testing, setting it up—maybe you don't need an investor, okay? So maybe we skip that step. Yeah. But let's just say, you, you know, you go through the steps. If you just skip straight to the advertising, you have, I want to point something out, and this is 100% real world shit. If your product isn't good enough, if your communication isn't good enough, if, if your ability to make an impact isn't good enough when you talk to these people, um, if you're slow, if you're not thorough, if your shipping is slow, if you don't know how to run your business and you go out and advertise it, all you're doing... Is quickening the death of your business. Absolutely. So keep that in mind. The testing part of it and learning your business is so important. Yep. It took me. It, I mean, and granted, we're talking about the Stone Age, you know, seventeen, <laughs> you know, the nineties yep. and and the two thousands. Yep. But I didn't advertise consistently till like oh nine or and ten. And the reason I didn't is because I knew that we were not good enough to advertise. And what I mean by that is that. We had problems in our operations of business that would have. I'm thankful I was smart enough to recognize this, but would have turned customers off. And so, if you're if you haven't gone through the steps, tested, worked out the kinks, found the problems, you know, and worked on all those things, when you go to pay for this advertising, you could possibly have a great idea. But your ability to handle those transactions and the potential transactions are so. Um, Rough that you turn the customer base off, and guess what? You miss out on a great idea.
2: And they're never ha- coming. They never come back. They
1: never come back. It ne- it happens every day. Yep. People do that every day because they want to skip right to the money. I want to get right to where I'm making money. I want to. I want to impact all the people. I want to. Th- dude, I see. Th- I see this in our industry all the time. People they put out programs or things for the masses, and they don't have the ability on the back end to service it. Okay. You know, it's dude. It will ruin your business. So go through the steps. Be patient, like we talked about in the opening. Right. You know, what would you think of that comment about there's so many the millennials? There's so many entrepreneurs, and two, they're impatient.
2: Every the amount of people, the same idea. The amount of people that ask me for a hundred grand and then don't have a business plan or yep. don't have anything set up. I literally couldn't write them a check if I wanted to because they don't have a bank account. Right. They don't have a corporation. Right. They don't have a business plan. So when I say yes. I'm saying no, because they're just not going to do it. Right. And it's scary to me how many have the idea and they want to post about it and they want to post in front of their friends Lamborghini and build this image. And it's frustrating because the time you spent doing those things, I don't mind people faking the funk in order to do a business. You have to go out there. I had to go meet with retailers knowing that I could ship to them, but not knowing how much they were going to order what was going to happen? Like I didn't know. Right. I just knew I had a good product. I want flavor of the year. It's going to be, it's a great tasting product. I didn't know if people were going to rush to the store in the middle of New Mexico to buy my drinks. Right. I just knew that if I get them to buy it, if I go out there and market in their town, we'll figure out how to sell it. We're going to figure out how to sell it. Exactly. I'm going to figure it out. And I don't, I don't want people to do one of the biggest things. You can go get your product into any retailer once. If your product is not good, they're going to drop you, and it's going to be much worse than ever getting in there. Yeah, because now it's closed off forever. If you get a test with uh, 7-Eleven in 60 stores, and it's exciting, you can just say you're in 7-Eleven, that's exciting, and you're selling some new water, and your water is not filtered right, or the bottle isn't there, or it bends to something bad about it, the customers will never buy it again, and worse, if they complain about it, you're really done. More importantly, if you get dropped from 7-Eleven, they're going to charge you back. Yeah. They're going to ship you back your water. And you've already spent the $81,000 that they said they paid you because right. that's what you now do. Now <laughs> that,
1: all these dudes know each other. So you get kicked out of 7-Eleven, they're calling their buddy at Circle K, <laughs> exactly. And at, at Big Boys <laughs> yep. and all these other places and saying, "Hey, guess what?" Yep. You know,
2: I can't believe you carry that water. Those yeah. guys <laughs> don't carry I, those guys. I charge charged them back already. Yeah. It's too many we times. Gotta,
1: we got to hit Bucky's though. I want to talk about Bucky's. It's my favorite it's, convenience store chain. It's I've it. never heard of Bucky's. It's the shit. Oh, okay. Thought you were a Casey's fan. No, I like Casey's Pizza. Yeah, it's good pizza. Yes, it's, it's, they're famous for pizza. I know. Too, you know? It's
2: too many times that people have a, people have a clothing line. I know. <laughs> Fuck, I, dude, I'm 270 fucking pounds. I know what good pizza is. There's too many times people come up with a clothing line because there's 300,000 lines yeah. that ideas come up a year. 30,000 of them actually ever start on it. 3,000 ever do more than 10 grand in sales and less than 300 ever do a million in sales. And so people always talk about clothing lines, clothing lines. It's like a fun, easy, catchy it's, thing. It's
1: cause it's easy for people to do.
2: Right. Especially now Right. I can do on-demand printing. I can have a clothing line shop up tonight. And if somebody says some funny, Trump says some ridiculous line, I can make the t-shirt that talks about bad hombres and make it a thing. Yeah. Right. Tonight. And I could probably do seven grand in sales by the morning and then really go hard tomorrow. And I do would it. go with
1: the grabber by the pussy. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, if yeah. we're going to make a shirt,
2: <laughs> let's just right. go all now way. Now you have a full-size store. I got yeah. multiple shirts already. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, but, you could make a fucking shirt off a, tr- a store off Trump's eggs. <laughs> oh, for Trump's Trump's sure. Store. We'll call it Trump's. <laughs> People already do, by the way. Oh, uh, I believe it. I have guys yeah. that do on-demand printing and they just build a Shopify sh- store and now they're, they're a business. They have a Shopify store. On-demand printing, they're doing Trump sayings, they're doing different quotes and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's a business that you can start overnight. You can change that to anything that you're working on, whatever it is you're selling. Listen, if you're selling your time, then you just have to build yourself as a brand. And that's a whole nother discussion. Building yourself up as a brand is really, really important because you can become an expert really quickly. If you're going to do short, you do short sales. One of my good in, buddies in is tattoo artists. There you go.
1: So like, this is a good example and he's great. He's yeah. one of the top in the world, but he's also great at building a brand. You know what I mean? His name's Eric Marcinison and he, you actually remind me a lot of him. Um, he is an awesome brand builder, but you know, he understands that like, dude, I only have so much time. Right. So I've got to build a brand that commands the most amount of money for that time.
2: Right. Cause you're selling hours.
1: Right. And you can't, hire somebody to do your tattoos for no, him. You absolutely know, not. When people want to hire him, he's got to do the fucking work. Yep. And so a lot of people struggle with that sort of business because of what I'm talking about. There's only a limited amount of ability to earn. So building a brand in that situation is like, it is like the, the it's everything. It's, it's the holy Bible. It's the alpha. It's the omega. It's fucking everything. Like if you can't build a brand and you're selling your hours, you're always going to be poor. Right.
2: So here's the practical steps to building a brand to become an expert. Go to every single convention in your area. You don't have to go spend eight grand to go to Vegas and go buy a $2,000 pass. Go to every convention in your area that's drivable too, so you don't have to spend the money. When you can afford it, go to the big ones. If you can't, I promise you, if you look at Eventbrite and all these events.com and there's all these local business meetups, if they don't have a local business meetup, which they do for every category, Mortuaries have conventions. Bowling has conventions. No matter, plumbers have big I, I conventions. Think that mortuary one's full of a bunch of stiff. Very exciting <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a Vaughn joke right there, That's buddy. A pretty good Vaughn joke. <laughs> uh, every single industry, every single industry has a convention. Every single one has mini conventions and trade shows. Every single one has networking meetups. If they don't have one of those things, make it yourself. Go on to Eventbrite. Make your own meetup once a month. At a local restaurant the restaurant will give you almost everything for free because they just want 106 people to show up on a wednesday night that's slow you just ask them what's your slowest night mondays okay great mondays at 7 p.m i'm gonna do the local plumbers meetup or the local tech entrepreneur meetup or the local whatever whatever it is you care about by you now hosting that meetup and you're the tattoo artist and you're doing the local tattoo artist meetup you're the guy. You're, you're automatically an expert. You're the guy. Automatically. You host the monthly meetup for tattoo artists and 106 guys show up and 18 girls show up and everybody talks about it and they all post pictures and guess who they want to post a picture with? You. You're because the guy. You, it's your event. You <laughs> did something. Yeah. You, it's that simple. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know that you could do that in your boxers at home? I could set up a local tattoo artist meetup tonight in St. Louis and I've never been to St. Louis in my life. I could set up the local tattoo artist meeting tonight and within five days have 106 people on my Facebook chat group talking about how excited they are, sharing with their friends, and when they get there, they're going to take pictures with me at the, lo- the guy that just did this great tattoo meetup. Guess what? I don't have a tattoo on my body. Hey, we're, we're, let's see <laughs> a sample of your work. <laughs> but it, it's true. But I'll, I, I promise you from the bottom of my heart, I'll be the tattoo expert without a tattoo on my body right. because I'll Google everything about St. Louis tattoos I'll know about every tattoo shop. I can I can direct message all the tattoo guys in town I can message all the girls that are here I can see who who's commenting on their page who got tattoos from them message them And all of a sudden I have hundred and six people at this thing and they paid zero to twenty bucks to come to You can make money from it, too. You can charge ten or twenty bucks, right? It's not bad business making two grand Charging twenty bucks for one hundred six people—it's still a business. You make two grand a month or two grand a week, just being the tattoo guy. Yeah, <laughs> there's so wow. many ways to make money and so many ways to do simple things wow. that you can do in your boxers. That it mind boggles me when people complain. Yeah. It mind boggles <laughs> me.
0: And for the record, folks, the uh, the recommendation of meetup.com is actually in the book. Right, that's one exactly. of the nuggets of the book. Yeah, that's really good.
1: So where can just before we lose track on here, where can everybody find you on social?
2: Uh, everything is at Dan Fleischman. So it's F-L-E-Y-S-H-M-A-N. And it's really important for your business or for your personal to have the exact same name on every platform so that people can find you really easily. Um, and it's also important to have the exact same uh, profile picture and the exact same bio hmm. because you don't know how people are going to find you. Even if you're not an active person on Twitter, you still need to have a Twitter account with the bio, with the picture, and just mention where your other social media accounts are, where you're more active. If you're much more, more active on Instagram, you still need to have a Pinterest and a Snapchat and everywhere else. And you're just directing them once a week or once every few weeks. And even if you don't post at all, at least in your bio it says where to, where your LinkedIn is, where right. where your pages are. It's really critical and it's free. And you're copy and pasting, so it doesn't take any time. And you're authorizing with Facebook, so really you don't have to. We're so lazy now; we can do everything with clicks because everything's automatic in the internet now. So. It it hurts me when people want to be an entrepreneur, or want to be an expert, or want to be this 19 year old life coach. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> like if you're gonna go do those things, do it right. Put in yeah. the work, put in the effort, and become a, a real thing. Don't just say yeah. you're this thing just to say it.
1: Just to say it online, yeah. or so you can impress your like the the high school girl that told you no for prom. <laughs> right. Exactly, know,
0: do it. No high school girl ever told me no. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> before, before time gets too too away Wait, from us, let's
1: hold on. Okay, I want to ask. I want to. I want to ask a question. Uh, so you get contacted by literally thousands of entrepreneurs, yes. and and most of them, some of them are older, but most of them are younger. Um, what would you say, just for these guys listening, because we have a lot of of just. Guys that are the people we're talking about, they're wanting to do something. They're not sure what to do. Okay. And guys, you do need to read the book. Okay. So, you know, I don't recommend books very often. I only recommend books. If it's something that I feel like is worth the money that you spend on it. This book is invaluable because you're going to be able to see practical steps, ABCD of how to get something set up. So it takes a lot of the confusion out of the equation. Normally for me, I would say, just go figure it out. (laughs) But, I realized after talking with you and, and reading through the book how valuable this is. Like, this is, this is shit that I take for granted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, as knowing. So, with that being said, out of the thousands of, of young entrepreneurs that you talk to and speak to and deal with, what would you say that the biggest hang-up for people is as to why they
2: don't start and what they should do to get over that hang-up. Sure. So the biggest hang-up is just getting started. A lot of times, it's like an artist. They just keep painting in the background. They never want to show anybody their work. So they got this great idea. They're working on this online shop, and they're going to be be—they're gonna be the greatest fashion boutique you've ever heard of, or they're going to be the greatest fitness program you've ever heard of. And they don't just get started, because everybody thinks they need millions of dollars, and they need this 45 page business plan and they, they make everything so overwhelming that nothing happens. Right. And that's why I made all the steps so realistic and so step by step, because if you just first do your Twitter account and then you make your Facebook and you make your Instagram, you make your Snapchat, that sounds like a lot of work to build all these accounts. It takes 20 minutes to do all the accounts. Right. Okay. Now, Visually, you look like you are something you're at fitness expert right now. That's your you have this great fitness online You want to make an online video course on fitness and you want to be at fitness expert And you came up with the best dance routine that is gonna help, right? Right Well, you know how to do that dance and you know how to teach people that dance when you don't ever actually just film it Well, do you know how much it costs to film stuff now? Nothing This camera is just as good as that fancy camera look at fucking
1: YouTube I mean everything almost everything on YouTube is shot with a fucking camera yeah. phone Mm -hmm. And you have people making millions of dollars. Absolutely. Off camera phone videos. So if you want to
2: make your fitness expert dance video. Let's
1: talk about the real reason they don't do it. The real
2: reason that they don't do it. They're inherently lazy. Well, (laughs) it may not be lazy.
1: I agree with you that it's most of the time lazy, but sometimes it's this. How many times do we see a guy make a video online? I see this all the time. It drives me fucking insane. They click on the video or the Facebook Live or whatever, and they're like, well, guys, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what to do here or what you're supposed to do on the video. Um, You know, I know you guys are watching, so what I want to do is I want to talk about this. All right, skip that first fucking 10 seconds of what you say because it makes you look like a fucking ass clown. I'm in. Okay? Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. The first video I made, I didn't fucking know what I was doing. The first podcast I made, I didn't know what I was doing. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't get on the fucking microphone and say, hey guys, this is the MFCEO project. And you know what? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Dude, nobody cares. There's so much content out there. You don't don't have to have permission. You don't have to have somebody saying, oh yes, you're good on video. Because guess what? You're probably not good. But the only way you're going to get good is by fucking doing it. And so many people get this idea in their head and they start off their content making with this like, 10 or 20 second whine about how they're not qualified to do it dude nobody wants to hear that that's no. not content no. skip right to the meat let's get going hey i'm andy i'm here to talk to you about x blah blah blah, blah, blah and do it because dude no one's going to come along and say hey you're qualified to do that
2: you get what i'm saying yeah
1: so I mean, how
2: many videos do you see like that? It makes, I see it. it, on, ma- it makes me as a viewer second guess myself because I thought I wanted to watch you. Cause you're smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes me cringe. Right. Like,
1: I, like I see it on snap all the time. Like dudes would be snapping themselves and be like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to say. Well, all right, delete that snap. <laughs> exactly. And then you start right. off with what the fuck you're going to say.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, agree. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes me cringe, man. Like dude, You guys have to get over that. You have to get over that fear. You have to get over that hesitation. That first 10 seconds where you say all that that shit I just said, don't say it. And then just get right to it. Right. right. So now you've. Because think about how many people that you're going to see you that don't know you. Of course. What you're doing is you're like telling your friends. Like my friends I drink beer with, my mom and dad and my cousins who really know me. And I'm trying to be this expert in this other shit. So I'm like trying to like talk to them. You're not fucking talking to them. No. You're talking to all the
2: people out there that don't know you. So be what you want to be and own it. Absolutely. So now you've got your fitness expert dancing idea. You've been, you know how to do the dance. You know it's going to help people. And you don't just get started because, again, you have this fear that you're going to need hundreds of thousands of dollars in production and a full video team and all this fancy equipment and a big fancy set. Go to a local dance studio on a Tuesday at 6 p.m. when they're closed and say, hey, can I film here for a couple hours and I'll shout out your thing on the bottom of the video? Yes. They're not going to rent it to you. They're going to give it to you for free because who cares? And now you have this fancy studio that looks like it's your production studio for free. Just to shout out at local dance studio. So you find a friend
1: to hold your fucking cell phone. Exactly. I'm going to explain how this works. All right? <laughs> yes, step by so step. So while the friend is holding the cell phone, there's this like, red button on the phone. Point it towards you. Yeah, you, the, <laughs> you hit the red button and the person then points at you, or says okay, or right. says start, cause you can edit that out, yep. and then guess what? You do the fucking dance. And if you don't have a friend, you can buy a tripod Which, by the way, dude, for the way, like $10. i am going to learn how to do that juju dance. Because, like, dude, I saw I, everybody's doing the juju dance. <laughs> <laughs> the juju, juju. <laughs> juju. You know what I'm talking about? The yeah. Runner Man? Yeah. I'm going to do it. Okay. Right, you know how to do it? Yeah. All right, dude. I got to know. Because, like, I see everybody doing it, and I'm just like, I got to do the they dance. Look, they look happy when they're
2: doing it, right? They do. They do. They, they makes, look happy. Dude, every
1: video, of, that song is catchy. Yeah, it's smart. Like, I don't know. I saw The Rock doing it last night. I'm like, all right, it's time to learn. In the Pikachu costume. Right? <laughs> dude, that was so fucking funny, dude. Slide, drop. That was funny, man. The funniest one I saw was a was a, a video of uh, a guy and a girl with a Obama and a, a Clinton or a, a, was, I'm sorry, Hillary a Trump, and and Trump and a Clinton dude, ma- awesome. mask on. And then Obama was riding the cart. Dude, I la- I wa- I saved that phone on my video you just did you not to watch, watch it a hundred times. I, wa- I still watch <laughs> it. Like if I want to be happy, I watch the video.
2: <laughs> if, this,
1: if you're listening and you're in that video, that was an awesome video. That's hilarious. Anyway,
2: okay, so your friend's pointing the camera at you. Yeah, you're doing the dance. It's preferable if you write a script or at least the the order of what you're gonna do, and you just write that on the glass behind the person that's filming you, and it just says step one, step two, step three, and they're just reminders to you. Cause you know, this stuff, right? You do this dance all the time. You know, it works. You know what happens. You just put reminders up on the glass. You just write it in big letters. Do this, do this, Yeah, do little this. cues. You're queuing yourself. Right. It's not for anybody else. Right. So you film this thing for 20 or 30 minutes, whatever the length of it is. And you make one minute as a trailer, 60 second trailer. Okay. That 60 second trailer is your calling card for at fitness expert dance, whatever it is. All of that stuff was free. Right. Your friend is free. Your phone, you already pay for. The dance studio was free. Writing on the window was free. Your social media was free. All of this stuff was just you taking the action to go to the local dance studio to ask to use the place at 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. Don't overcomplicate it. Yes. We're talking about easy shit here. Like, and a thing, something I was thinking
1: about when you were talking about writing the cues... This will help you to learn how to speak too because you're going to have to learn how to speak in front of people. Dan speaks to people. I speak to people. Anybody who's building anything now, you have to speak to people. It's just the way it is. So when you make a video and you're so many people overcomplicate that simple aspect where they write like an actual script and they're like holding the paper or they have a friend holding paper and they're trying to read the exact. No, dude, look, you know the shit. Make uh, three bullet points that you want to cover. Talk about each bullet point for two minutes. You got a fucking six minute video and 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 just talk like yep. you're a normal you know people get like this anxiety about being on video like right. Oh, I don't know what to say it's like dude just say the shit that you know do the fucking juju <laughs> you know <laughs> what i'm saying
2: <laughs> like at, at one of the first events i ever spoke at i was i was about to go out there and my hands turned white and i started sweating and i was like why am i nervous i've talked to people before i've I performed magic tricks before i've performed in front of people and i was so nervous and i realized That event, I wasn't speaking about myself or my company. I was going up there to speak about like a tech conference or something. And it wasn't like about life, real life things that I knew. And I told the guy what the situation was. I said, oh, I'll just change the line of question. We'll just talk. Your portion will be about social media. I turned red. (laughs) I was ready to go. There's 1,600 people out there in the crowd. And you killed it. I killed it. Right. Mm. And I realized every other event since then, every other Podcast, video, news interview, doesn't matter. I, I'm I'm so calm. My heart rate doesn't change one iota because I'm just talking about what I know. Right. right. And if I mess up, who cares? And not only if that, I- dude, that goes
1: down to like so when you start your business, and this is gonna hurt some feelings, but nobody cares about nobody cares about you. Right. They just don't. So like right. make your videos and nobody's gonna see them. Right. You're gonna have right. three fucking views. It's right. gonna be your grandma, your mom, <laughs> yeah. and your fucking sister. Yep. And you know what? They're probably gonna make fun of you, but the right. thing is, is that if you do those, if you do that for your first 100 videos, if that's what you do, by the by, video number 101,
2: guess what? You're, You're gonna to be good at making videos. Absolutely. Yeah. You always look at Gary and his first wine videos, and he's just talking about wine. Yeah. And he's like, I have 12 views, and then I had 36 <laughs> views, and I had 44 views. Right. And he just pushed through these wine videos because. Right. And that's I think what he that's had to the do.
1: discouraging aspect for most people is like they put all this heart like. Because the first one's the hardest. Yeah. Like, the first one is going to be the hardest. And you're going to put all this work in, and guess what? You're going to get three likes. Yeah. And it's going to be your grandma, your mom, and your sister. Yep. And you know what? That's okay. That happened to everybody. It happened to me. Dude, when I first started writing motivational statuses, the, the reason I started writing them was because we sold vitamins, and I didn't know what else to fucking talk about. Like, oh, hey, remember to take your fucking Flintstones every day. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to say (laughs) to keep people's attention? So, like, I'm like, all right, well, people who are are buying this shit, they want to fucking work out. They're motivated to work out. Let's write some motivational shit. And... Dude, my original motivational status was was like, "Be sure to fucking kill it today." Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was terrible. Like my first video was terrible, and you know what? You'll never see it because it it was posted online. And guess what happened when I got good? Took the shit down. Exactly. And you motherfuckers never saw it. So I saw that shit. Yeah, but but the point is, is that that's how it works, and and people think they're gonna put all this work in. They're gonna put it online. It's gonna go viral, yeah. and it doesn't. And then they're like, they quit because right. they don't have the traction. Like, yeah. dude, the traction comes with the skill and the, and the value and all the things that you bring, but that's developed over time. So, like, do you have to be willing to be bad, be bad, yeah, right, be horrible? But it, you'll work it out by doing it over and over and over again. And yeah. look at the positives too. Like, what putting look yourself- how many good look how many great people make great right. videos or great content or type great things. How do you think? That you're not capable of that you are capable of that but that person who you're watching it's like that saying don't compare someone else's highlight reel to your real life mm. because you're watching their that 10 years of practice yeah. of making a fucking video and you suck well you're gonna suck unless you put in the 10 years it's the same thing so just start just make something do something i mean I think it's people's fear, man, that, that holds them back. You know, they could say it's money. They could say it's I don't have the producers. I don't have the assistants. I don't have the this guy's got a production uh, team. I have nothing, dude. He didn't have that when he started. They built that, right? You know what I mean? Just because he has that doesn't mean you can't have that. Absolutely. And they're
0: they're comparing their
1: before to your after. Yes, and and they think they're not good enough, and and that's I think that fear. Of whole, and the funny thing, I giggle when you said life coach thing and sort of on, but that's like a popular thing now because uh-huh. of the social media. Let's, let's just address that real quick because it's something that annoys me. Yeah. Like, okay, you rent a fucking Ferrari, you go stand in front of it with a suit on and you think you're a ball. First of all, real ballers don't wear fucking suits. Like I wear suits when I go to bar or fucking no. baptisms, funerals and weddings, funerals <laughs> and weddings. Like if I'm wearing a suit, it's, it's like I was forced to put this fucker on. You know what I mean? Second of all, Just because you can go out and pretend that put this image out means nothing. It means nothing. And to call yourself a life coach when you're fucking 24 years old and you haven't fucking built a damn thing. Dude, nobody's buying into that. It's offensive.
2: It is offensive. (laughs) It is. And people, because you're assuming everybody's ignorant. You know what I mean? People people are, I know 19 year old life coaches. I wasn't kidding. And I know that they make a hundred grand a month. They're crushing it. They're kids that did start making a bunch of money. But they're life coaching when they've never had life. Yeah. And that's the thing. So if you want people, like let's say, if you want to be a speaker
1: or you want to be somebody who talks to people and you desire that, build something great first and then people want to listen to what you have to say. If you're just a guy who's like, oh, I'm going to be this, I'm
2: going to be this coach. Or become an actual expert. If you want to yes, become... want a be- great point. Become mm-hmm. a real expert. If you want to be means. the short sale expert in, in Wichita, Kansas study everything about short sale and go work for their local real estate firm and go be at every event and actually and put the group together that talks about short sales. Yeah. Be- once a month, you're yes. the short sale expert guy. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be in the short sale expert podcast. You're going to be speaking at seminars. You're going to be speaking at conventions. You're going to be the keynote speaker. You're going to start getting 10 grand to speak every, every month. You evolve that from being the 19 year old in Wichita, Kansas, that studied everything about short sales and you became an expert on a specific thing.
1: Dude, start a short sale podcast. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Write a short sale book. Yep. You know, dude, most people, that's another thing. Most people think that if you write a book, you're JK Rowling's. (laughs) Like, look, (laughs) Dude, books, books are a platform for credibility. Exactly. They're not, they're not made like you, like I'm going to author, I'm going to make millions of dollars. How's that working out Vaughn? Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm not ripping on you. I'm just
0: saying like, it's not a real thing. No, it's not a real thing. You
1: know, but your book or your dude, write a book so that you could go talk Speak. to a company and yeah. say, Hey, look, I'm the short sale expert. I own the short sale podcast. I wrote this book how to short sell your shit. Yep.
0: Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right. I mean, there's another, let me talk to your people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's another benefit too, other than it just being your calling card is that in the process of writing a book, you will become, you an, learn a yes. lot. Oh, for exactly. sure. Learn a ton. For you sure. You will become yeah. an expert. Like if yeah. you,
1: well, if you have the ability to like learn.
0: Right. But yes, I agree. Right. But I love the emphasis you guys are making because I think, and we've said it before on this podcast that there's no, there's no expert fairy. So anybody can say, yeah, I want to become the expert But I was just noticing this the other day when people were posting videos talking about stuff they didn't know crap about. And I thought, you know what? It's, it is true that there's no expert fairy and that, and that you can choose to be an expert, but if you're going to choose to be an expert, you have to do your homework. And if you're going to put yourself in front of people, you uh, have to do your homework. Absolutely, and It's amazing how many people dub themselves. Well, I'm going to do a podcast on such and such, but as you're listening, Wait, do to the, the pod- work
1: first and then say you're an expert. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, Exactly. Let's, exactly. Just, let's just say that. Like, exactly. Let's do the work and then if you could teach it to someone, legitimately, okay, then you call yourself an expert.
0: Yeah, but absolutely. Let's and just I, let's just go ahead and agree that I, that's going to be the way we should do it. And I, I do have to interject, ladies and gentlemen, for for what Andy was saying about you know the real ballers don't wear uh, don't wear suits. I can attest to the fact that the combined income in this room is probably between fifty to a million dollars, and I'm pretty sure Dan got that at Target, got the the shirt he's wearing at Target. So these guys live what they. Yeah, preach. I got this
1: shirt for free. <laughs> you did fifty and a million dollars. So By I, the way, Dan,
0: that's not a slam because so I love Target. Yeah, I'm a fifty dollar guy. <laughs> Dan's a million dollar guy. Yeah.
1: But dude, I'm I'm. I get my shit for free out in the back of the, the fucking the, store the, right here, man.
2: There was 10 years where there was not a single day I didn't have a Hoosh Daddy shirt on. Yeah. Not that one right? day. Ah. And if I had to wear a suit, i put a patch on. Yeah. I literally, Yeah. in the Victory Poker days, every single outfit you ever saw me in, I was wearing Victory Poker. And if I wasn't, I would put a patch on everything. Now, I'm not saying- I sticky
1: won't, patches. I'm not saying I won't wear a suit because I want to look right. cool. Because I like suits. Right. But I'm just saying, like- get rid of the fucking stigma in your head that that means something. Well, it mean and the, shit.
0: Reason, the reason I even brought up that point was that, and we've talked about this before, the people who have really made it and the people who are really killing it dispense with the need to be pretentious. They don't feel like they have to wear the suit. You don't have nothing they to can, prove. They can, yeah, exactly. You, you prove it with your mouth and with
1: your actions. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's what it is. Huh. Anyway, look, we're running long. This has been awesome. Dude, thank Listen, Dan doesn't just come and fly around and meet people. So, thank you so much for coming out here. Thank you. This is one of my deal. favorite yeah. podcasts. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. I was say the same thing, and uh man. dude, thank you for everything that you're doing. Before we close, um I would like to talk about something that has nothing to do with what we've talked about and just let people know about your your charity and what you do because I think it's awesome and and uh I'm hoping that we can get something worked out to where we can head that up here in St. Louis.
2: Awesome. So, let people know about that. Sure. So, the charity is called Model Citizen Fund. Um, website's modelcitizenfund.org. Model citizen uh, we just had our five year anniversary. And what happens is we make backpacks for the homeless. Each backpack has 150 emergency supply items inside. Half of it's food and drinks, the other half of it's like sunglasses and a watch and a poncho and a sleeping bag and an emergency blanket and cleaning supplies just to make them feel human. human. Right. Um, and essentially, we give it out to homeless shelters, teen abuse shelters women abuse shelters and orphanages, uh, mostly in America, but we also do a little bit internationally, uh, mostly just try to focus here. Um, but we've done it in Tijuana and we've done it in South America. Um, and the reason was I kept raising six figures at a time for these other charities. And then the day after I give them $117,000, I never hear from them again. And so I don't see, I didn't get to see what the true cause and effect was. So I wanted something very simple and straightforward. So we put 150 items inside for $100. And there's like four or five hundred bucks for the stuff. We are able to get it at such low wholesale prices. It's a hundred dollars with the backpack with shipping included and we're a zero percent charity. So 0% goes to overhead. I personally pay for every event, every piece of marketing, every piece of material, every single, every single aspect of the business is my staff, my rent, my volunteers, my everything. It doesn't come from the donation. Not a single penny. Right. Not one penny comes out of his actual paycheck. Yes. Mm. And so for the last five years I've always run it that way and I'm going to run it that way for the rest of my life because it's a very simple, straightforward charity. If somebody donates 100 bucks, 100,000 or 100 million, not a penny goes to anything but making more and more backpacks. So, Which is awesome. To me, it's something that people can replicate. I don't need them to donate to me because it does nothing for me for them to donate. If they want to replicate it themselves and they want to go make sandwich bags full of supplies or make lunch pails or make backpacks in their local town in, in New Mexico, great. You know, I want people to replicate it because it's replicatable. It's something that they can make a backpack or make a bag and put in supplies and give it out to homeless people. Mm-hmm. If you want the ultimate kit with 150 items, please buy them from us. But it's, it's just, for me, it's a factor of them going and doing the work and giving out. The yeah. Backpack. So
1: explain that.
2: Like that's, I think that's a key part because all of us,
1: you know, all of my friends who, who are financially successful, all are very charitable with their sure. money. All of them. I, you know, and I think that's a big stigma that people don't, don't, understand how much money people who have money give away. Absolutely. And it's a lot, but there's an aspect of this charity that I really like is because it's hands-on. Sure. So let's talk about that.
2: So there's two ways people can do it. They can send in a thousand bucks and we're going to go give out 10 backpacks for them and 10 people's lives are going to change. Or that same person can donate the same thousand dollars and we'll ship it to their house and they can go give it out in their local town with their daughter or with their friends or with their group. And what happens a lot of time is we have a lot of schools and we have a lot of groups in different cities and they put together and they raise 3,300 bucks to get 33 backpacks. So they raise 15 grand and they get 150 backpacks and then they pick a day Sunday at 12 p.m. And they go out together and they go give it out to the homeless themselves. And the feeling you get when you hand somebody 14 pounds of supplies, they get excited just seeing the backpack getting handed to them. And then they feel the weight of it. And it's just the reaction is it's it's I can't even, I get chills when I think about it. Um Because it's so real that person giving them a hundred bucks and them spending it on anything. We don't know if it's food, drugs. We don't know what, we don't know what's going to happen with that because that's a variable. We can't control. That's based on their situation. We don't know. Right. But I do know if we give them a backpack and now they have 14 pounds of supplies and they have 150 items, things are going to change for that person for at least temporary. Yeah. It's not going to be forever but the backpacks forever they're going to be able to have that backpack for 6 years from now right cuz it's a real serious backpack they're going to be able to use the the sunglasses and the blanket years from now because it's just a real thing that they have mm-hmm. um, and it's really to humanize them and to give them something to work with and something to right to be nimble with um, and the
1: cool thing it also is they put they they put some books in there for them to read and yeah. like try to help them get on the right track mentally it's it's i thought that was cool too yeah So
2: the other thing is we don't change the charity for anybody. So people always will add in new items or if people want us to make it for women, we'll add in women's supplies to the same backpack or we'll add in baby supplies to the same backpack. We don't change for anybody. We keep it very simple, straightforward. We make backpacks for the homeless and that's what we're going to do for the rest of eternity. As long as I'm alive, we're going to be doing this. That's awesome, man. Um, because, so how do we get this rolling in St. Louis? So picking a day and making a day where the first form crew or everybody involved meets up and says, OK, on Saturday, we're going to all meet up and we're going to give out X amount of backpacks at 12 p.m. to the homeless shelters. But also that Saturday, we're also going to pack lunches and we're going to do whatever it is you want to do for a couple hours and get everybody together. They can all do micro raises amongst their friends and raise 200 bucks and 500 bucks and 300 bucks. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands. It can be a couple hundred bucks each. And. Everybody that shows up, if all of a sudden 400 people show up and they all raise 300 bucks each, well, and all of a sudden you got $120,000 and 1,200 backpacks coming. Like you have 1,200 humans are going to be affected just as something so simple. Can 400 people raise 300 bucks each? It's not rocket well, science. It's not something big, huge, and overwhelming. I try to make everything in my life bite sized, whether it's how to set up your business or how to do your charity work, how to do things in a realistic format. If you don't have millions of dollars, don't go. You don't have to not do charity because you can do it with your energy, your time, your social media power. That's right. You, you, know, If you have 22,000 followers and you talk about somebody's charity a few times, you're helping them. Right. With And even if you have 22,000 followers, you might be the local waiter and don't have any money. That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can do charity work by going to the homeless shelter or showing up. At the first form warehouse, and going to that Saturday event, and going out and actually giving out the backpacks in person, putting your energy and time is much more important than just cutting a check. It really is.
1: Well, so if I wanted to set this up in St. Louis, would I would I just operate under your charity, or would I set up my own and just buy just the operate bags from you? Yeah, you just operate under
2: us. Okay. and you have your well. Div- that's what I'm division. gonna do. I'm gonna do that. Simplifies
1: everything. Yeah. So so let's. I'm gonna get this started with. Like right now, literally right now, I'll I'll go ahead and buy the first 150 backpacks myself. Awesome. And then you guys can ship them here. Yep. We'll put a day together and then we'll focus on raising funds after that. Perfect.
2: So that'd be a good way to start,
1: right? Absolutely. Okay. And then you just pick cool.
2: the, the, the best way to do it is having the right amount of people to give out the 150 backpacks. Yeah. So let's say it's 50 people, 100 people, whatever it is. So they all give out a couple backpacks each and they can feel it. Yeah. And then picking that time and either dealing with a homeless shelter directly and saying, hey, Saturday at 2 p.m., we're going to bring you 150 backpacks, have 150 of your homeless people outside and waiting in line. I've done that over and over and over. It works really, really well. Um, what you always want to keep in mind is th- the homeless, it's hard to communicate to them because there's no marketing you can do. They don't have TVs, they don't right. have internet, they don't, they don't, don't have, have those phones. things. Right. But the homeless shelters, the orphanages, the teen abuse shelters they have them because every day they have to check in by a certain time. Right. And so they have the ability to, to communicate. Right. And in most towns, I'm sure it happens here. There's usually strips that have 50 guys that are living out there or a f- bunch of families that are living out there or right. a bunch of people that that's where they kind of come in. A real problem,
1: sure. a real problem with homelessness, same with San Diego. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. And so all I'm saying is those are great places to go do it and yeah. just do it safely. You want to make sure that... Don't show up there at midnight. Exactly. Right. That's not the point of this charity. The point of the charity is to get people items to help them with their life. Right. Um, we don't take pictures of them unless they want to. Right. Plenty of them want to tell their story. So we have amazing videos. I got a phone full of videos with homeless that are telling us, like, I used to work at the local construction firm and I was making 60 grand a year and then blah, blah, blah happened. I got a divorce and I had to pay. You a learn sp- a lot, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, the stories on some of these people that are living out there that used to have real jobs and wanted to be functional humans. Well, it's uh, like we talked about yesterday in the car, you know, people, once pe- a lot of times when people find success,
1: they forget how quick and go away. Oh my God, seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, dude, it's a great thing you're doing. Uh, it was one of the m- mo- most exciting things I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I, I, really, we've been looking for something to do. I know here in the walls. So what we'll do is I'll put up some posts and you know, if, if the, some of the you guys want to come help when we do this, you're more than welcome to come. Sure, for sure. So it'll be cool. Yeah. I'm excited, man. Yeah, awesome. So
2: thanks for doing that and putting it together. It's been, a, it's been five years, and i have hoping to do it for another 50 years, and I think it's the reason people get that feeling, get that excitement, is because they can f- see, feel, and touch it. You're going to go out there, and you're going to actually yeah. give it out, and your staff's going to give it out, and your friends are going to give it out. That That's priceless. Like cutting a check to cure cancer, which we obviously all want to get cured, it's, it's much different. different. It's just right. different. It's yeah. different, Right. Okay.
0: And that really... I mean, that can radically transform people's lives. I think people just assume that if somebody's homeless, they're going to always be homeless. I actually know a guy who is homeless. I know a bunch of people who who is now an entrepreneur who's making millions of dollars. Yeah,
2: there was a great story. Just uh, it was actually just last week. A guy was homeless. He he was a millionaire, went homeless. And then a a poker player friend of ours uh, financed him to open up a, a healthy juice store. And now he's got a chain of them in Malibu and all these fancy places. That's awesome. He's doing millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah. And the picture in the story just last week is him being emaciated. He's homeless yeah. and like skinny. Like he's just. Right. It looked like he was out. He was done for. Yeah. And he said in his article, he's like, my, the reason I, I succeed is I didn't, I didn't die.
1: Well, the thing is, dude, mm-hmm. is that like these people are on their own. They <clears throat> look, I'm a, I'm a tough dude. You know, I talk a lot about just getting it done and this and that and doing shit and doing the work. And everybody knows that. And But at the end of the day, man, you know, there is circumstances that have affected people in a way that are bad, that yeah. maybe they weren't able to control or maybe they were in control. and They made bad choices sure. either way at a bare minimum. Those people deserve to feel like a human being yep. and feel like people care about them. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the coolest things about what you're doing is that like, dude, you know Pete, they are reminded like hey dude we we care about you and forgotten about you hopefully this will help you get on the right track sure. a little bit yep. you know you spend five minutes talking to them it's a big deal yep you know um i, I just think it's awesome man it's one of the coolest charities that i've that i've heard Thank of you. so I'm, I'm excited to really help get behind
0: it here so yeah, that's huge very cool well, cool guys. Well, listen, contest. I just got to tell people oh. the contest is still going on for the hundredth episode. The deadline is November seventh, which will be a couple days. What, what from. can they win? Uh, they can win coming out to hang with the MF CEO crew, most notably Andrew J. Fursella. and uh, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we're going to have fun. All right, and so then you we're going to also have. Fun? I think I think the, the the secondary prizes are the videos that, or excuse me, the. Um, Seminars, yeah. The video seminars. Go listen seminars. to
1: episode 100 if you're in, if yeah. you're a new listener and you haven't. Um, yeah. First of all, you should listen to episode 100 anyway because it's a good overview of what our mission is here.
0: Yeah. Um, second of all, it'll talk about the contest. com forward slash contest. Go there. Yeah.
1: Cool, guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much again, Dan, for coming on Absolutely. and making the trip out here. Um, guys, we'll be back with, uh, with an episode of Thursday Thunder coming up on Thursday. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much.
0: This is for the cheese and this is for the hustlers This is for the hustlers, now back to the cheese